0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. But a kind of a bit of a side story to us setting that band up was, as I said, Chris Bucket started kind of making a bit of a name for himself on YouTube by uploading these um, these incredible kind of guitar solos and guitar covers. Uh, but he got uh, stumbled upon by uh, Alan Niven, who you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, the ex Guns and Roses manager. Um, I think at that point then they forged a bit of a kind of like a YouTube kind of email, um, friendship in that Alan reached out to him and said, Oh, I really like love what you're doing. You know, you're an incredible player. Um, if you are ever in the States, you know, it'd be really great to kind of meet up or put some shows on for you or whatever. So at the same time as us setting up, um, that band, uh, as it was at that point, um, that friendship was going on and that was bubbling away uh in the background so uh, shortly after that kind of uh that project and doing that little uh, ep launch party uh, slash was releasing uh, a solo record it was cool. probably around right about 2009 so um yeah alan niven was was uh interviewed uh, by classic rock magazine uh, as a bit of a special on Slash, you know, obviously being his manager for so long and um, being there at the height of Guns and Roses fame. Uh, so there was this big interview uh, by Alan Niven on Slash and then right at the end and he said, uh, oh, by the way, uh, I've stumbled upon uh, this young kid from South Wales by the name of Chris Buck, who I believe to be the, the best young new young guitarist I've seen this century or something.
1: Hello, welcome to another episode of Drum for the Song podcast. My name is Dane Campbell, I am the host, and today's guest is the excellent drummer from that fantastic new slash old band, we'll talk about that in a minute, Cardinal Black. Uh, He's from Wales, like myself, it's been a while since we've had another Welsh person on the show, but how's it going, Adam?
2: Hey Dane,
0: how are you doing? Yeah, really well, thanks, good to see you.
1: Yeah, you too. Thanks for taking the time to come on. Uh, I know it's been a busy period for you guys. You've, you've recently come off a headline tour, very successful uh, sellout headline tour across the UK. And um, a um, new album coming out. So I'm sure you're very busy.
0: Yeah, no, thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, nice to just get together, fellow drummer, and chat drums.
1: Exactly. And that's,
0: that's what, the what whole better point. subject is there?
1: not many if you're a drummer uh yeah i think that's the idea i think this is a very niche or audi- uh, niche kind of area which i thought even though there's millions of drummers around the world compared to other hobbies i guess it still is quite a small one if you know what i, I mean. think
0: it is but it's, it's elite and it's exclusive as i like to think you know because yeah. you know what it's like you you spend so much time hanging out with guitarists and singers and all that kind of thing and they used to hog in the limelight and not really want to chat about things that we want to talk about so sometimes you have to find your own little community
1: of other drummers yeah
0: out that way kind of thing
1: absolutely and and this is yeah this is one of the ways really that I like there's a few guys I kind of message on social media about drums every now and again and people I've met but in terms of people I know that I see you know when I say day to day, I don't see many people day to day from week to week month to month there there's not many other drummers in in real life I really speak to, so um I'm sure there's many other drummers that feel the same way, and hopefully this podcast and other people's podcasts gives them i guess that kind of sense of community i suppose
0: yeah, definitely a kudos to you man for for doing this because it's a it's a great podcast i I love listening to it and um... Yeah, it's getting a, a really good following now and, and you've had some some amazing names uh of late, especially, you know, uh Anika on, uh, on a recent podcast. Incredible drummer. Yeah. Uh yeah. Mike Johnson as well, a big fan of his and obviously going back further than that, Mark Richardson and uh and Bob as well from down the road. Bob Richards, uh loved that one. So uh yeah, man, I keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we love it. And uh, I'm sure all the all the fans out there do too.
1: I ah, really appreciate that man thank you and uh yeah it's kind of cool when i get a guest on that's actually listened to the show so that's kind of really cool so you know what to expect as well which is nice um like yeah, really really, really chilled out conversation you know um rather than uh you know i don't like to call them interviews but you know it kind of is but i think with me and you we know each other we met each other in real life um I've come to see you live a few times now, and it's always a pleasure to watch you play. So thanks for being cool. So That's very kind, man. Thank you. Ah, No worries. Um, so let, let's start off then by, I do this with everyone, really, kind of telling people about your drum journey. Like, Like, how did you start? How did you progress? You know, lessons or no lessons, early bands, more recent bands. Like, I guess everything up until Cardinal Black.
0: Okay, well, I'm getting old now, so that's going back some way. Um, But yeah, I guess going right back to the start in terms of when I first got into the drums, Uh, I was lucky enough that my father uh, played drums as well. Um, He was in uh, various bands, kind of 60s and 70s, but primarily uh, kind of like soul music. Uh, And then he he went into a little bit more kind of... uh, rock uh sorry guitar based rock music so his first band was called midnight city soul band back in the 60s in the welsh valleys and then uh after that he was in a band called morning coffee which is a bit of an odd one but primarily they the reason for changing that one as the story goes was they were out uh i think they were touring uh down west Wales somewhere and they were in their van or it was an old ambulance actually they didn't have a van back then it was the old decommissioned monmouthshire ambulances nice so they would kind of like turn into a into a tour van we were driving through, I think it was somewhere like Tenby and they were having a conversation about uh, the money that they were earning. And at the time they were declaring it. So they wanted to try and stay off the tax man's radar. So they thought, right, okay, we're gonna have to think of another name. And as they were driving through the uh, the town there was a little uh, sign on the side of the road, outside of a coffee, uh, outside of a cafe, sorry. And it said, uh, morning coffee. So randomly enough, that was the <laughs> the new band that they came up with. So um, anyway, sorry, I digress. So my dad's a drummer. Uh, so he got me a, a tiny little kit, you know, one of those. Saying that it wasn't that bad a kit because you know you see some out of like toy cat and they're literally just plastic and plastic heads and plastic sticks, but uh, it was a half decent uh, in fairness to him. He got me a half decent little mini kit, a black and white one. Loved that kit. Uh, I was probably about uh, eight at the time nice. when I had that. So um, yeah, he was my he was my first kind of uh, reason for picking up drums really. So he started teaching me uh from there on then uh and i guess it's quite difficult isn't it, teaching a, a child of such such a young age to play drums you know give them a pair of drumsticks on a kit and they go nuts and, and create havoc kind of thing but um one of the one of the kind of early inspirations for me as a drummer in, in terms of him teaching me was queen
1: oh nice yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, bet I, was, was. I was a
0: massive yeah i was a massive queen fan growing up um so in terms of the first songs that i ever played on the drums i guess um on that mini kit uh i remember one of my first memories really of playing drums was on uh in our little extension that we had on the side of our house um and i remember playing along to the likes of i want a big free uh radio gaga hammer to fall just loved it
1: amazing yeah yeah awesome.
0: obviously that kind of music for such a young child as well is so fun and, and kind of all-encompassing and operatic, if you like, you know. So as a young child, I just loved it, you know, uh, on the little kit on the side of the house, just, just kind of having the time of my life, really playing along to that. And then another one I remember, which is probably more of a guilty pleasure, because I'm a Man United fan. Do you remember right. back in the in the 90s, you know, they used to do the whole epic F- final song?
1: Oh, yeah, 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 of course, yeah.
0: Do you remember United did one with status quo?
1: I... <sighs> I can't actually remember Did you ever that. See that. Maybe what? Sit, one. Can you hum it for me? I won't say it sing
0: called, it. it. It was called Come on, your Reds. Oh, come on! It used to go, come on, your reds, come on, your reds, Just keep your bottle of leaves ahead. Just ninety <laughs> minutes. We'll let them know it's man United you know, here. We go.
1: Now I remember that after you sang that, but um, yeah, apologies yeah, must... for, the, for the vocals there. You tell them not was... a singer. Well, there's a, there's a reason we're at the back behind drums because I'm not a That's singer. That's right. Either. <laughs> <laughs> So, some, some drummers are fantastic singers, but uh, I'm not one of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. I, uh, sometimes I do ask for a microphone just so I can make it look like I'm singing so I can look a little cooler, but they won't even stretch for that. So Really? I know my place now.
1: Uh, I, I, in my old band, I used to have one to do some of the kind of band chant backing vocals, and I wasn't even good enough for that. But to be honest, I always found the microphone was in my way a lot. So I'm uh, glad yeah. of it now. I'm glad of it. Um, yeah, I'm happily yeah. i happily a non-singing drummer. Yeah,
0: me too. Uh yeah, anyway, sorry, I, I yeah. went off on a bit of a tangent there. So yeah, my dad got me into drumming. Uh Queen was one of the kind of early inspirations. Um, so yeah, I remember that little kit that, that I had, it didn't have a floor tom. So I remember I used to use his old rack tom as a floor tom. So that shows the size of wow. you know, that, that old kind of uh, miniature kit. Uh but yeah, I kind of progressed there onto one of his older kit Thanks, My dad was always a premier. Fanatic Premier Drums. Um, so I had his, his first kit actually that he bought in, I think it's 1965. It was an old Aquamarine aqua Sparkle three piece kit. Yeah, it was a beautiful thing. He still got it actually, uh, which is really cool. It's faded a little bit, you know, in terms of the wrap and and the coloring on it. But um, yeah, uh, graduated then onto a full size kit. Uh, just started kind of like jamming with baits then in school. Um, and it was, yeah, it was my dad, really, that forged my path into music and as a drummer uh, and going into bands and playing with other people, but also, you know, musical taste as well. Um, I was brought up on a diet of strictly pretty much what he was into as a young child, you know, what it was like, you're driving in the car with your dad on long journeys and you got a cassette player going. Yeah. Um, and it, it was always Paul Simon and Eric Clapton. I remember Graceland was always one of my favourite albums growing up. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I got into drumming. So he taught me by, um, rather than teaching me the theory side of of, of drumming, because he never uh, played that himself, essentially he just taught me the basics, you know, in terms of playing by ear and what to listen out for and instincts and that kind of thing. So I kind of took the baton on uh, from him then myself, and I kind of taught myself in terms of just being able to play musicality, you know, and playing with other musicians, my friends in school. So, um yeah, I took it from there, really. And and, and that continued, like I said, in terms of not really being able to, well, not having proper drum lessons uh, from an early a- age as a child. that was always a bit of a bugbear of mine then growing up. And I always thought, man, I probably should have done that. So I remember when I was in school, in secondary school, I started having drum lessons. Uh, and you know, you have the whole rock school, kind of like drum books and everything. So I started learning the uh, the theory side of it. But kind of, you know, where it's like an arrogant teenager. And I kind of thought, oh, I don't need to learn that. I can play I can play rock beats, you know, I can play Blink-182. I can play Led Zeppelin and all that kind of thing. At least I thought I could at the time and bloody couldn't. <laughs> um, so I kind of thought, oh, I don't need to waste my time with that. So I jacked it in. And then as, as I kind of like grew up and I went uh, later through like my 20s, I always kind of thought, man, I should probably probably do that. So it wasn't until uh got into my 30s really and and the last couple of years that I, Really made the decision to kind of go go back to the start essentially in terms of learning properly, um, and yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a sobering experience really because one of the things that put me off and meant that I didn't do it when I was younger I think was it was kind of like facing up to that reality that oh I'm not as good as I think I am maybe or you know where it's like. As a lot of people do, you're in a band and you can play music. Uh, you always think that you can get by, you know, because you're in a half-decent band, and uh, the, the guys that I was playing with were great musicians as well. So I kind of thought, well, I'm doing okay, you know, maybe I don't have to go back and do that. But it was always at the back of my mind that that's something that I wanted to do. So so like I said, yeah, it was, it was, uh, a couple of years ago, I made a decision to just go back and, you know, I never learned rudiments properly when I was a kid, and, um, and learning the correct kind of technique in terms of how to sit on a school you know behind the kit and um and even grip you know i, I wasn't even aware of the different kinds of grip you know your, your french german american
2: yeah. your
0: molar techniques and all that kind of thing so it was since doing that it's been a massive eye-opener to definitely something i should have done earlier but now that i'm doing it or since i've started doing it it's great because it kind of does open your eyes up a hell of a lot more in terms of what you're capable of and you know what's possible kind of thing
1: yeah that and like hearing you say all that, it's pretty much describing exactly my my story with the drums as well. Practically the same, apart from the cassette on my dad's car was um, Deep Purple and Angel Witch, I remember. <laughs> Which is oh, a random, yeah, yeah. A very random song, but it was on, I remember it being on um, a song in the car and obviously like Motorhead and Guns and Roses and things like that. Saxon bands like that. So, but in terms of the drumming and yeah, not being taught and not knowing the rudiments, I remember like my dad teaching me what a paradiddle was and that you know, but he didn't really show me how to utilise one in a, in a real yeah. setting, you know. Um And yeah, it's pretty much the same story. I I, I had a few lessons. Was I in my late twenties? I, I went to a local guy, Elliot Bennett, that I have mentioned before. Yeah, no, Elliot, yeah. Yeah, really good. Um, And I, he taught me a lot. I just didn't put the hours in and I realized I was kind of wasting my money because he was teaching me something new before I'd kind of even half mastered the thing we did the previous lesson. And that was my bad, but in my defense, I was, I think I was working full time. I was in three bands at the time and I just didn't have time to practice. Or in my, you know, in my, in my brain i'm sure i could have squeezed it in but i just didn't
0: <laughs> oh man it's so hard i mean i'm, I'm similar you know in terms of what i said in terms of me going back and doing i so to find the time you know as you're a grown-up it's you, you know you have work if you're working at the time and then you're in a band and you're touring or you're playing uh playing shows or you're recording you're writing you're rehearsing there's there's so many different things going on and, you know if you've got a family as well or a partner yeah to go back and try to find squeeze the time in for that then it's it's difficult
1: yeah, you've got um, to sacrifice something something else, really, um, to to do it, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, you know, even now, it's, it's, it's like I said, in terms of over the last couple of years, going back and, and kind of learning technique and really drilling down into the fundamentals and the rudiments and everything. It's now, you know, I still don't have t- the time that I would like to to put into it, you know, to, to be able to spend hours each day to, you know, dedicating it to one thing, for example, that, that I can kind of pinpoint to something that I really want to kind of uh, improve on. Yeah. It's um, it's hard, yes. The joys of being an adult, I guess, isn't it? There's never enough time for for everything, but yeah. you can only do what you do.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. Def- definitely a shout out to Elliot because Elliot's a, been a badass of a drummer. So, so
1: have you had lessons with Elliot? Well. Have you had yeah. lessons with? Ah, oh, cool. That's uh, that was. I was wondering if you would have in if you were having lessons with someone or whether it was online teachers because there's loads of those nowadays, isn't it? Which you can have
0: yeah you
1: can subscribe which
0: yeah which are great because obviously you had mike johnson on recently didn't you on recent podcast he's quite
2: successful
0: um, oh man absolutely <laughs> he is killing it on that scene well i think he was one of the first wasn't he to redo really yeah. do it from wise kind yeah. of starting off on youtube and then and then branching off from there but um i think what you miss out there is i don't know it's it, i think it's good with certain level but and I don't want to pay a disservice to anyone who's doing it, because obviously for that fantastic thing. I think there is a lot to be said maybe for having that kind of face-to-face tuition as well.
1: Yeah. Well, even Mike said on my podcast, he literally said, if you've got the means to have a physical lesson in person with a good drum teacher, do it. He says, he literally, he said, I might be losing business by saying this, but if you've got access yeah. to someone, he, did, he, he he openly said that on the show. So, fair play to the guy
0: <laughs> yeah but i think there's this there's, there's value in both right in the yeah um, being able to do that you know that online stuff that you can kind of you know you pay a subscription let's say like i know that mike does uh and then you have access to all that kind of back catalogue of all his courses and and material and whatnot but then also being able to every now and again you know have a face-to-face tutor and um yeah. get that slant on on things so um yeah, they're, they're they're great. Hats off to those guys because they're fantastic.
1: They're yeah. breeding,
0: you know, the next generation of, of drummers.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and it obviously means for people who do live out in the sticks. And I, I, I imagine in like yeah. parts of America where this there's, there's so many like tiny little towns and villages in the middle of nowhere, nowhere near cities, it, it probably is quite difficult to find a really good quality, you know, drum teacher and stuff like that. So I imagine there's loads of people that can find value. And, and And, of course, if you can put the time in, there's no no end to what you can achieve with those websites, because, like you said, the whole back catalog of his lessons going back' it's probably ten years worth of content yeah and you you know you can delve into that as much as you like, which is which at your own pace, which is great but um
0: yeah, yeah. And that's the thing and what with what with the you know the lockdown recently? I spent a lot of time because we all spent a lot of time at home and not really being able to do an awful lot. And at that point, I guess we can come on to it in a second when we talk about the band, but yeah. we kind of made the decision to give what is now Karma Black uh, a bit of a go in terms of uh, setting up that band, but then lockdown hit. So there was an awful lot of time then spent at home, so it was like, this is the perfect opportunity to really pull the, the time into, you know, technique and some of the, the online content or um, virtual kind of lessons, you know to really kind of make use, best use of that time. So otherwise I probably would have just been watching cartoons and
1: losing my mind. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think sure that's what a lot of people did gaining, gaining lots of weight, drinking and, you know, and stuff like that. And that, well, yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, I think, I think we were lucky because we had, we had music and, and a hobby or a lifestyle of something to concentrate on. Uh, I started this podcast, which gave me something to concentrate on. You know, I still did stuff with the band. We did an album and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Just the only thing that was missing was the the playing live and touring aspect and the the socializing with people. <laughs> that was yeah. It thing. was
0: difficult, wasn't it? So, did you start the podcast then, where it, at, at lockdown? Where,
1: where yeah, at the world Soft, oh. pretty much, yeah. A couple of months later on, yeah, I think it was a, like April two thousand and twenty when I recorded the first. Episode with Nigel from Saxon. I think it came out early June. By the time I'd figured out how to do all the other stuff, you need to learn how to do. Um, but yeah, that, that that was pretty much it. So it certainly gave me something to focus on. And then I and then I started the the part time job at the Cheese Place, which I've mentioned on previous episodes for anyone listening. Uh, and this is where we kind of have this link. Um, Tom, yeah, if if he doesn't mind me mentioning the singer in Cardinal Black, Adam's band. Also, uh, eventually ended up working at the Cheese Place, and that's where I met Tom. Uh, and you know, I'd like to think that we had a lot of good times uh, learning from each other. He, he came from, at the time, he came from the world of like the lots of cover bands and wedding bands and stuff. He was doing a lot of that with yourself, I assume, which we'll talk about in a minute, or some of yeah, yeah. it with, with with you. But he wanted, he was starting up the band, and he was like asking me for lots of advice and information about, you know, touring and renting vans and sound engineers and, 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 you know, things like that, that he wasn't used to um, dealing with and arranging um, because you had some tours coming up and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so that's, that's, if you go back then to kind of the start of the guys who are currently in Cardinal Black, when you originally started your band earlier on in your life? Because I know a little bit about this from speaking to Tom and explain how you, well, just explain what happened and then you stopped and started back.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's going back a little bit now. Um, And it's a bit of a joke in that I guess Cardinal Black in that we launched like officially as a band, I think it was back last summer. So we're the, the oldest new band in the world. Yeah. In some respects, in terms of the genesis of the band dating back all the way to around about 2008, 2009. But um, Yeah, it's kind of intertwined with, like you say, about co- kind of covers and wedding bands and all that kind of thing. In that, It kind of started off, I mean, I, uh, I mean myself, Tom and Chris are all from within a stone's throw of each other, really, uh, in the South Wales Valley. So uh, Tom is a few years younger than me, so I always kind of knew Tom. Because when I was kind of like in my teens, like I said, I played in in various covers bands with my mates. Um, And Tom, uh, likewise, did the same. Uh, So I think we played on one or two kind of like shared bill, you know, in the local rugby club. Um, So I kind of got to know Tom through that, you know, because as he has now, back then he had an incredible voice, especially for his age. You know, he was always a big guy with a big voice. Um, So everyone who was anyone really in the area knew about Tom. So I kind of get got a new note on through that and various other kind of misdemeanors, misdemeanors around the place. Um, And then I think it was around about two thousand eight, and he needed to put a a covers band together for something. Um, So he said, "Oh, how about it? You know, I think he had an original kind of single on the side uh, anyway." But he said, "Or would you be up for playing some covers? You know, for this this gig that's coming up." I was like, yeah, yeah, man, okay. I've, all, I've always, I, at that point, always admired Tom's voice. As I said, it's, he, he's an incredible singer. So it's like, yeah, definitely anything that you want, man, I'll, I'll be there. And he said, oh, by the way, I've, um, I've invited this kid from over in West End, uh, which is the West End in Arbacan, which is the right. town that the little the little town that he's from. Um, this little kid uh, plays guitar, and he's been kind of tearing it up on the YouTube, scene by you know uploading uh, guitar covers. He's been playing like. Uh, Jimi Hendrix solo kind of covers and Eric Clapton and all that kind of thing. Uh, I think it was about 16 or 17 at the time. She said, I've invited him along and his name's Chris Buck. I was like, okay, cool. i never heard of him at that point. So I said, yeah, cool. So uh, we got together, we had a couple of jams together, I played that gig. And it kind of worked out and we thought, oh, well, maybe, you know, rather than it just being a one-off, um, we'll kind of keep it going. So at that point, like I said, the fact as much as Chris, for those potentially who don't know about chris chris buck is an incredible blues guitarist As he's now become and, and forged uh, an incredible kind of career and um uh and standing for himself uh, on the on the international guitar stage i guess uh back then as much as he was just a 16 year old with kind of back combed hair trying to look like slash you know and skinny jeans and leather jacket and all that kind of thing you could tell then you know there was there was something special and and he was headed for big things so yeah i was i was chopping at the bit really to keep that going with chris and tom so we did the covers thing for a little while then tom was also in university at the time studying music uh and he was coming to the end and he had kind of like a uh a, a final dissertation project that he had to put together and it involved uh putting an act together with it whether it was a band or just a singer songwriter or whatever uh to write three songs record the songs uh and then put on uh like a an ep kind of launch party uh so he said oh you know seeing as we're kind of playing together anyway you know it makes it easier for me because i'm lazy and i don't fight anyone else essentially <laughs> plus we said we sound pretty good so i probably got a decent chance of getting a good grade for it yeah so like, yeah okay we're really doing anything else at the time so we kind of did that and we recorded three songs one of which actually is on the album that we're about to release that we'll maybe come on to later oh wow wow um, wow that's but cool. dates back dates back to that. Yeah. So we recorded a, a, a little kind of three track EP, which was great. Um, and then we had the launch party. Uh so it was a little place because he was in Gloucester Uni in Cheltenham. So uh, he booked out a place called the front rooms, I think it was called, which is a cool little kind of bar slash slash uh, music venue. Uh so we booked out and it was all great. So one of the kind of cool story coming out of that was that um one of Tom's lecturers in, in uni was friends with uh a guy called James Towler, uh who is was and still is uh, Steve Winwood's uh kind of producer, uh, head of front of the sound, manager essentially, or pretty much does everything for Steve Winwood, because uh Cheltenham Gloucester area, that's where Steve's from the Cotswolds. Friends with, with James Tower, we kind of caught wind now and we thought, oh well if his if his lecturers come into the to the launch party, maybe he would bring James with it. Get, oh yeah it's probably not gonna happen but anyway it came to pass that we you know we set up in, the, in this launch party uh and then it's whispers oh the lecture uh, tom's lecture is here um and he's brought james with him and we're kind of losing it Then thinking oh my god you know first gig and we've got this like amazing um kind of producer with us and just for context uh, just previous to to that kind of time he uh, he was nominated for a grammy for the live in New York, I think it was the live in Madison Square Gardens, uh, Clapton and Steve Winwood shows. Pretty cool. So obviously, obviously, big cheese uh, at the time. So we were kind of blown away that he might just come along to watch our yeah. little kind of like university project. Uh, anyway, we look over and w- we walk through the door. Then after them Steve Winwood, which was unbelievable because again, like I said, in terms of like my my father kind of. Influencing me with with his, hit, with his musical tastes as I grew up, as I was growing up, Steve Winwood was one of the big ones, right? And so just complete another kind of legend of, of British music. Absolutely. Um, so I remember Chris was throwing up in the toilet there when he when he heard that. So really? uh, yeah, it was kind <laughs> of kind of a kind of a cool story that we had. Steve Winwood, you know, such a cool kind of uh, name and icon of British music at our first gig. Um, uh, and then from there, then I think i think tom did all right that the project i think he got a fairly decent grade and he said look as much as we put this original thing together for the project you know it'd be daft to kind of just leave it there because it looks like it might have some legs so um yeah we continued with it and started writing a little bit more and got some more shows under our belt um but a kind of a bit of a side story to us setting that band up was as i said chris buck had started kind of making a bit of a name for himself on youtube by uploading these um these incredible kind of guitar solos and guitar covers uh he got uh stumbled upon by uh, alan niven who you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago the ex guns and roses manager um i think at that point then they forged a bit of a kind of like a youtube kind of email um friendship in that alan reached out to him and said oh i really like, love what you're doing, you know, you're an incredible player. Um, if you're ever in the States, you know, it'd be really great to kind of meet up or put some shows on for you or whatever. So at the same time as us setting up um, that band, uh, as it was at that point, um, that friendship was going on and that was bubbling away uh, in the background. So at, at, shortly after that kind of uh, that project and doing that little uh, EP launch party, uh, Slash was releasing uh, a solo record. It was cool. probably right about 2009 so um yeah alan niven was was uh, interviewed uh by classic rock magazine uh as a bit of a special on slash you know obviously being his manager for so long and um, being there kind of, kind of guns and roses fame uh so it was this big interview uh, by alan niven on slash and then right at the end and he said uh, oh by the way um, i've stumbled upon uh this young kid from south wales by the name chris buck who i believed to be the, the best young new young guitarist i've seen this century or something Amazing. so of course <laughs> the kind of like internet chat boards as it was then before they had social media too much you know started blowing up this is chris buck um so they, I think he started fielding a lot of questions from his side of the pond then over in arizona where he lived in terms of oh so chris buck is in this band called as we would know then the tom hollister trio um do you manage them assuming that there was this connection you know he managed them so he reached out to us and he said look i don't manage you but i'm happy to if you need a manager so from there on then we got picked up by alan and yeah he was our manager for a time uh we did some cool kind of shows and festivals that he managed to to get us on uh playing sonosphere back in 2010 i think it was kind of like one of the big ones which was a bit odd really sonosphere being quite heavy yeah
1: i was i was gonna say yeah that was i wish i wish i checked was that the year i played because i played sonosphere around then okay i wonder if it was the same day or same year but anyway yeah but like because you, you we haven't even really mentioned yet you're not really a heavy rock band you, no you're a, no you're not in, not in any way really it, you're a guitar based band but you're not a heavy rock band we'll t- we'll talk about that in a bit Yeah, Yeah,
2: cool.
0: Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we played Sonosphere. Like you said, we were probably the, lightest and most chill band, being like a bit of a blues trio of the whole weekend. So that was good fun. Um, And then, like you said, Alan, uh, he lived in Arizona. uh, So we used to go over and spend a bit of time with him and uh, do a little bit of recording and play some shows. So it was a fantastic experience. You know, at that point, you think, oh, Guns N' Roses manager, America, equals big time. Yeah. make big, big paychecks yeah, he, um, yeah but at that point it was there were some cracks kind of shown in the band in that I think a couple of us were kind of wanting to go in different directions in terms of how we wanted the music to sound right. uh, I think Chris at that point was a little bit more he was heavily influenced by slash um, I think he wanted to make it more guitar based whereas I think I think was, uh, me and Tom wanted it to be a little bit more kind of like bluesy and soulful so yeah. um yeah we were kind of like hitting a couple of Kind of roadblocks there in terms of how we were going to write and, and take things and um, we were young and stupid i guess and we kind of knocked it on the head because things you know weren't really working out so we give it the whole mm. you know yeah artistic differences but um <laughs> yeah it was a bit of a shame really you know when, yeah like i said we were young we were probably stupid and didn't really realize quite what we had um because i think quite a lot happened in a fairly short amount a short amount of time Sounds um, like, yeah. But, you know, I guess, as they say, without getting too deep, you know, things happen for a reason. And it took uh, a fair amount of time then. Fast forward around about 10 years, but things to kind of uh, pick up again.
1: Yeah, but like, like like you say, in that time, you've all developed as musicians. Chris has developed his, you know, rather large following online. And, you know, he's, I'm sure he's improved massively during that time as well, um, which has led you to, like you said you got a lockdown and you decided oh should we give this band another go is that pretty much what happened
0: yeah so i guess in a nutshell and you know i don't want to make it too much about chris because that boy gets enough no. attention
1: yeah <laughs> i don't that's right i am only joking
2: no but no but
1: it, you know but i'm sure that would if like if you just plodded on and carried on yeah maybe something would have happened but i guess because he's he's managed to build that following he's worked very hard at it making his videos like every week or whatever he does. It's like, I un- like I understand what it's like making, I, being a content creator on YouTube yeah. and stuff like that. It's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, but yeah, he's been plodding along and doing that for a long time. But obviously, yeah, by the time you, you just announced this band, you were in a position where you had access to, you know, a dec- his at least his following. following. Um,
0: yeah, that's and- it. And we were really fortunate with that
1: yeah and, and and likewise in your own so like you said tom everyone knows tom um in his area and he's he's built a big network and so so as yourself in this time playing around the valleys and and in the in the uk and stuff like that and and but like i'm sure you've just all matured as musicians and as songwriters in that time
2: yeah that's
0: it and and i think that like you said, a lot of time has passed because I think it was around about 2012 that we kind of made the decision to knock it on the head. Um, and as much as, you know, we there was a bit of an acrimonious split at the time, we still stayed friends because, like you said, we were, you know, that band was kind of running alongside, if we ever needed it, you know, a wedding covers band because we knew the value in <laughs> earning money there. Because yeah. um those gigs pay well. Exactly. Um, so we were still mates, um, but we went off in different directions in terms of, you know, uh, in terms of writing and pursuing music, uh, original musical interests. Yeah,
1: um, so you... Chris, a, Chris. Go on, carry Sorry,
0: on. Yeah, I was just going to say, Chris, like you said, he, in terms of the, the time that's passed since, you know, has has become this um, this giant on the world stage, I guess, of of um, the blues guitar. But yeah, as you know, and from having uh, Bob uh, on the show uh, back last year or a little while back on the podcast, He's played with Buck and Evans in that time. We were an incredible band as well. Really big fans of those guys. And hey, just so everyone knows, you know, it's not the end of Buck and Evans. They are kind of picking up again uh, after having a bit of a break. Hopefully next year. But um, yeah, Chris did that, and uh, myself and Tom. I think we there were a couple of kind of other original things that we tried to get going, but for whatever whatever reason, we couldn't quite get them off the ground. Um, So I in that time a little bit of time just playing session really with various other people that i uh, met along the way in terms of uh, especially the the uk and the south south wales kind of um, circuit so that was good fun because like you said in terms of playing with other people then outside where your comfort zone, so then it um, it matures you as a player and what brings you up different styles of music and challenges yourself more because i think you know the majority of my playing you know, or my career, if you like, as, as a musician up to that point was more just around playing covers, you know, and all the stuff that I liked, liked and loved and I was really comfortable with playing. Whereas since the trio then started picking up some I, I played in a folk band uh, in, in South Wales called Junior Johnson's Midnight Moon, nice. um, which was a bit of a random one. Um, but we had a we had to change the name then because we got a, a threatening letter from a moonshine company. Really? in america because yeah apparently that's what they were called they were called junior johnson's midnight blue so it's a hell of a coincidence really that we may yeah. be named it that but um that is, yeah, yeah that
1: they, is they, that is a coincidence <laughs> <laughs>
0: they threatened us too, so i think we then became the magic booster brothers which is a bit of a random one well, i didn't play with those too long because i was doing other things with, with other bands but uh i mean that in itself was you know that challenges you uh, uh slightly different in, uh, differently in terms of the the style of music and dynamics playing folk music, as opposed to at that point, it was more kind of like power rock trio that uh, the Tom Owens trio was, um, and some pop acts as well uh, since then. And again, you know, I kind of had to reinvent myself a little bit in, in terms of like playing electronic samples and triggers. And uh, that's when I first started playing, you know, the uh, sample pads and rolling yeah, yeah. SX. So that was a challenge in itself, you know, in, in terms of getting to learn a new kind of instrument
1: yeah to all absolutely.
0: intents and purposes you know
1: yeah new skill and this because i've never even done that yeah um, i know it's kind of quite required these days for a modern session drummer but it's just not something i've really had the opportunity to get into but um that's cool how you've done that so that was that with the the x y and o band yeah yeah that's yeah. It, X Y and O.
0: so um again another welsh band from just up the road uh from us um a couple of friends that we knew i think again that was a bit of a university uh kind of project and put together in that uh they, they formed this little three-piece um electro dance pop a pop band uh wrote it uh, sorry wrote a, a bunch of songs and then put them out on spotify i think it essentially just kind of recorded them in their bedrooms anyway one of the songs got picked up on some spotify playlists streams went through the roof before you know it, know it, it was a million streams and then it was five million streams so um, yeah, they got a really kind of good online following that's, as a result a, of that.
1: That's over 10 pence each then. Exactly. No money <laughs> in it whatsoever but the numbers kind
0: of look good, right? Yeah.
2: Um,
0: but that, but at that point, it was just, like I said, a bit of a bedroom project so that they want the, the industry kind of um, advice that they were getting was, you know, if you want to develop maybe you should kind of take it out on the road and play festivals and turned it into a little bit more of a live act. So um, that's when they invited me on to play drums uh, and Tom, actually, no, Tom, Hollister, Tom Hollister in the band. Um, he was a bit of a multi-instrumentalist there, really. I think he played congas for a little bit with them on certain Did songs he? and synth on and Yeah, he's a man many talents. I'm surprised he's never told you that.
1: Because liked to- well, yeah, I remember him saying, well, I think you can maybe mention this. I remember him telling me he played Glastonbury, but I, I assumed it was with you know you and chris it wasn't with this band but that it was with x y and o right is that correct it
0: was yeah yeah, yeah. so they so they brought us in uh and a friend of ours going on the base as well uh so we did that for a couple of months uh sorry for a couple of years rather um turned it into this live uh, show that they wanted uh, to kind of uh to, to evolve into and then um yeah we got off for the slot uh in glastonbury i think it was 2016. Nice. so um Really, yeah, that was really good fun. Obviously, you know, one of the big festivals on the planet, biggest festivals on earth, really, to, to say you played Glastonbury as much as it was. At that point, it was half session, half like full member of the band, if you like. Right. Um, but, you know, it wasn't my passion in terms of that kind of music. It was a great experience to do that for for a while, like I said, to, to yeah. learn something new and uh, take yourself out, out of your comfort zone because of, I think... Uh, at that point, I was too in too much of a comfort zone in terms of doing the same thing all the time, same genre of music at least. So yeah, that was great fun. We had some great experiences in terms of some of the gigs that we played and uh, and recording and whatnot. And yeah, those guys are still going, but they've taken it back. I think that um, each of the three core members of X Y and O um, had other kind of more kind of passion-based uh, projects going on, if you like, uh, aside from that. So they thought, Do you know what, I'd rather put more of my effort into what I want to do, and yeah. X, Y, and O can continue as this kind of like on, online band where we just release you know, music online, uh, of what, to which extent they are doing a, a hell of a job. And you know, they still go in and fair and, and play, play to them, and they love lovely guys as well. So, um, yeah, that was one of the, the, the post, oh, sorry, the, yeah, the post Tor Monster Trio projects that, that kind of went on. Uh, yeah. And then I got into a little bit of um, uh, Welsh language music as well. Did you? Uh, oh. Backing up. Do you, yeah, have you heard of a singer
1: called Kizzy Crawford? I have actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. from where, but I know the name from something online.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, lovely singer. And um, she's, what, what would that, you class that as a little bit of folk maybe, um, soul, jazz even. Nice. So again, that was a nice kind of departure from um, some of the genres and some of the, the, the music that I was used to playing, you know, kind of as a younger younger drummer um so again it was great you know going out on the road with her doing a couple of tours um just yeah opened me up to you know being more in the moment than being a little bit more instinctive because we didn't really have an awful lot of kind of rehearsal time and and prep time for that so it was almost kind of going out on the fly at times uh which was good fun and yeah i kind of value a lot of the experiences that i had there because like i said much of it that, that playing on instinct um kind of uh, grows, it yeah, helps you to grow and progress as as a musician and as a drummer. So, uh, so that was good fun.
1: Absolutely, yeah. You've done you've done a hell of a lot then, a lot more than I kind of knew about, which is always good. But yeah, like the, all those different sky- styles and just playing with different people, even if it is the same style, um, yeah, makes you play differently. So yeah, well done. And um, so eventually, yeah, two thousand twenty lockdown you 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 boys must, start, must have started to have a little chat and thought we have a little jam or, or or whatnot and um decided to yeah that was get the band was back pretty together. much it. <laughs> yeah yeah we're gonna get the band back
0: together man <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah that's how it went so it was yeah early 2020 um and I know that my, because I was always, I've always been very close as a friend to Tom as well, as as much as Chris is a great friend as well and always has been since the trio days. Um, Myself and Tom have always been particularly close. Um, So we'd always kind of talked in that, oh, maybe, you know, we should give like the trio thing another go, you know, but I don't know if Chris is going to be into it, you know, because, you know, Bucket Evans is doing so well. and At that point, you know, he started the uh, Friday Fretworks uh, uh, kind of YouTube uh, videos and content, which, you know, that's kind of blown up and done really well. So he thought maybe he doesn't really need it, or maybe he doesn't want to do it. And that maybe that ship has sailed and he doesn't want to go back to something that he's done before. So there was always a kind of like that niggling thing in the back of my mind and Tom's heads that it'd be kind of good to give it a crack. But I don't know, I'm hesitant to speak to Chris because it's almost like fear of rejection, right? And then he might just say, oh, you know what, guys? Yeah, I'm not really feeling it. So that's what kind of Held us back, I think, from approaching it. Um, mm. but then we, we, yeah, we started having kind of loose discussions, and Chris seemed keen for it, so we we're all on the same page. So, yeah, early 2020, we kind of got into the practice room again, start running through some of the old material from the trio days. Sounded pretty good, or oh, as decent as it was going to after all that time. Uh, yeah. so we thought, oh, why not? We'll, we'll. Give it a bit of a go, and then yeah, you know what was it? March, April, twenty twenty. The world kind of went into lockdown, so last couple of our plans to take over the world again, if you like.
1: <laughs> yeah, but then, but eventually, you obviously went into the studio and recorded. Well, you recorded like an EP first, which yeah. went down really well. So, like, tell us about that. Because yeah, that's uh-
0: right. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Then um it was yes, yeah, so a lockdown kind of hit, so a lot of the kind of ideas that the writing that we were we were working on would have to be done remotely, you know, in terms of uh uh or logic and whatnot and kind of bouncing ideas back and forth on email. So that was uh, you know made it life a little more tricky, you know, in terms of uh, being able to write and and work on uh on new songs. But um yeah throughout Lockdown we managed to navigate it slightly and then we uh, we invited um uh someone to try out for bass uh Because as much as Tom played bass back in the trio, uh, I don't think he's too keen to keep that going for the new project. I think he wanted to kind of take the shackles off and and really be able to kind of bounce around on stage. You know what he's like.
1: Uh, Um, And have a hand free for a pint of Guinness.
0: Yes. Yeah. More importantly, (laughs) yeah, you know him too well. Um, So, yeah, we invited a, 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 a... a guy that Chris knew from, I think, playing on uh, the same bill previously with Buck and Evans, um, a guy called Sam Williams um, from Merthyr yeah, at the Valley. Uh, so yeah, we got together with Sam and he tried out a little bit for a little bit, and yeah, he's he's an incredible bass bass player. As uh, if anyone you know listening to the podcast is aware of, you know, us the the band and and Sam as a player, he's um, he's something else. Fairness yeah. to, to him, so instantly we knew that you know he was the right guy. Plus, you know he was good fun. Yeah, uh, exactly. More importantly, because because it's, cause it's not all about. He is a great laugh. He's he's a hell of a boy, as you know. It's not it's not one hundred percent about you know what you can do on the instrument. It's you know so much of it is is down to you know who you are as a person and you know what what you like to spend a month on the road with in a in a, in a dirty smelly uh, tour bus. So yes, uh, yeah, so, uh, Sam came on board. Uh, and then yeah it kind of went from there the lockdown started to kind of lift uh, 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 kind of uh, gradually so we got into the studio then to record the first EP recorded it in Rockfield which was really, really fun
1: um, I didn't know that's a very famous studio in it's definitely South Wales right It was in Mid Wales I don't know South Wales Monmouthshire so one like of the Wales is it Led Zeppelin and Oasis and Queen had recorded there right
0: Oh, God. Yeah, it's somewhere. pretty legendary. Many more. Um, yeah, if anyone listening who doesn't is not aware of it, maybe look it up. But yeah, there's some great kind of like documentaries online about it. And yeah, there's plenty of history there. Hey, what was it? I think uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, of course, was recorded there. The piano was still there. Yeah. Freddie wrote Bohemian Rhapsody on. Um, who else was there? Oasis?
1: Yeah. Think- uh, what's the story? Morning Glory? I think it
0: was. Uh, think Coldplay?
1: It was. Coldplay. Wow, wow, wow. All of them. All of, the bands. all of
0: all of the bands recorded Rockfield. Yeah. So um yeah, we did uh and then Cardinal Black did their, their little EP there as well. No, um that's we cool, did,
1: though,
0: very cool. Yeah, we did that at the start of twenty twenty one. Um just prior at that point we hadn't kind of launched as a band, so you know, technically we didn't really exist in terms of online platforms and all that kind of thing. So um I think it was May twenty twenty one then we actually launched, uh released the first song. Uh and that seemed to do quite well. And like you said, that the following that Chris has kind of um gained over, you know, the last 10, 15 years um meant that he had this massive following that especially after lockdown and people kind of being locked up and not being able to do the things they loved, like going to watch live music. I think people were chomping at the bit for something new and something yeah. they really get their teeth stuck into. So it was I guess it was really good timing on that front in that we launched that. Chris launched it on his platforms and Instantly, we had, you know, a, a, a fairly sizable fan base, you know, come straight on to Hour stuff, which we are obviously super grateful for.
2: Yeah.
1: So yeah. that was it really, yeah,
0: it's May 2021. And then uh, following that, uh, we released the EP, um, uh, which did fairly well, uh, and took it from there. So it was, um, as much as lockdown was, you know, for, for, for most people, it was a difficult time, and it was for us. Um, yeah, things kind of really started to kind of gather pace then. Once things started lifted, and then we launched this this new band that um, we'd been working so hard on behind the scenes, you know, for, for so long.
1: Yeah, you you even charted, right? Didn't you get the number one in the rock charts?
0: Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, so that's like I said, that first single that we released when we like officially launched the band. Uh, tell me how it feels. Got the yeah number one in the in the rock charts. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it was, like I said, it's due in part, you know, to, you know, we're no fools to think that, you know, that we had, we had our own kind of like fan base off the back of being around in the world for about a day. You know, it was, uh, it was all thanks to, you know, that kind of uh, following that Chris had, had gained and, and those, that community of followers that he's got are, are fantastic and, and they followed us along the way. So, yeah,
1: yeah, but that if, one. If if, it, if if the quality wasn't there, it doesn't, like it wouldn't have, they wouldn't have bought it and it wouldn't have charted. So it's obviously the quality of the music spoke for itself really
0: oh yeah thank you man
1: thank you man that's very kind of you but well, I mean, um that's true <laughs> oh, i bet you say that all the boys no 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 <laughs> <laughs> no but no honestly it's, it's class and um like i remember when i first i can't remember if you put a, a video up or something um and i was like whoa this is instantly catchy it's got that kind of, timeless but kind of it's like a modern take on a like a timeless classic sound. And I think there was definitely room for it in the market at the time. Like like you said, it's in the rock charts, probably because it's got a guitar in it, you know? But you know, guitar I, bass, yeah. I wouldn't really class it as like the rock music I play. It um but like I prefer to listen to your band, to be honest. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, no, I, yeah no, I don't know. no I I think I've just played my I've played kind of up tempo rock music my whole life, so it is nice. Um, like, I don't listen to a lot of it these days. I listen to new albums from bands I used to like, but if I ever have a choice, I put something a bit more chilled out on, something a bit bluesy. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's perfect, really, and I'm sure there's lots of people that feel the same way. Um, yeah, thanks, man.
0: I think it kind, of, it kind of, it almost kind of spans genre a little bit in that we have this conversation quite a lot when we're, you know, when we're trying to pitch to... Yeah. in the industry that potentially that we want to work with or we want to you know kind of jump on to the project um it's difficult really to put uh, to put us in a box you know in terms of what the genre of music is and it's not out and out rock as much as it's guitar based it's not out of out blues music it's not really yeah. poppy you know it's it's got a bit of it's it's Rock music, essentially, but it's, I guess it's, it's quite light rock. But there's an element of blues and, and soul to it as well. Absolutely, um, especially with, especially with Tom's voice and, and yeah,
1: the, that comes through massively. The, the soul kind of almost almost kind of Motown influence you can obviously hear in the vocals and some of the, the rhythms action as well. I think, but obviously, yeah. it's, with a modernized production but even though you've kind of gone a bit old school that way which we can talk about in a little while as well but um
0: yeah cool it's um yeah like you said i think in terms of all our influences really as much as chris started off when he was young like in the likes of slash you know and, the, and those kind of more the heavy heavier guitarists if you like and heavier music um i think he's kind of as time has progressed you know he's he's, he's very much a, a blues guitarist so that's his that's his bag you know and that's his where he's rooted um, the same as me and Tom really in terms of our musical in- influences, and then obviously the addition of of Sam as well. Um, like I said, my father kind of influenced me into playing drums, and he used to play in a soul band. So as much as you know, a lot of the music was uh, he kind of got me into rock music, and I was always a massive Queen fan and Led Zeppelin. Um, I was very much brought up on a diet of Motown soul as well. Yeah. So you know, Great. some of my favourite acts, you know, ever are Otis uh, Redding is probably my favourite 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 singer. Um, Aretha Franklin uh, James Brown uh, Booker T and the MGs and I think that's probably reflected in how I drum maybe in terms of uh, some of the the grooves and and rhythms that I play and I think that suits Sam well uh, in that he's he's very much in uh, kind of tower of power, he's a little bit more funk yeah, but I think those two kind of genres maybe kind of tie in together a little better than that, than that rock. So um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely. probably reflected in how the the overall sound, I guess, if, uh, of Cardinal Black uh, has come out as. You know, you've got that very much kind of uh, guitar based sound. It's rooted in, but then the, in terms of the vocals and then the rhythms and, and the beats with that is a little bit more kind of like soul based. So um, yeah. yeah, like you said, it makes it difficult, I guess, for trying to put it in a box, but. Maybe yes. Sometimes it's good good not to be in a box.
1: I I think so as well. I think that gives you more more of a, a wider span of your potential audience. So so the the brand brand new album January came close will be out by the time this podcast goes out. So that the official release date uh, is the twenty eighth. No, twenty yeah twenty eighth of October twenty eighth of October. So, yeah, it'll be out by the time you listen to this. So, as soon as you finish listening to this, just go and check it out uh, and check out the back catalogue as well if you like it. I'm sure you will. Um, Yeah, not that we're into
0: telling people what to do on this podcast,
2: but go listen.
1: Go listen. I'll I'll even. I, I don't even mind if you pause it right now and go and go and listen to it and then <laughs> as long as you come back and listen to the rest. But yeah yeah but um no honestly it's it's, it's going to be I've only heard the singles off it so far. I've seen you live the other day. I know you played some of the songs from it. Um I have no doubt it's going to be fantastic. So do you want to briefly kind of talk about the the making of that and like where you recorded it um et cetera et cetera?
0: Yeah, sure. So, uh, like I said, it is the, the making of. It goes way back, uh, and I think the album is pretty much a mixture of all the new, really, and that it's good. There's a good couple of songs on on the album that were written way back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, kind of time. Um, but we, as much as we released that EP, uh, the first EP with uh, four songs on, that was back in uh, the summer of twenty twenty one. Yeah, that we started off. Well, I guess we needed to finish writing the album, really, because I guess at that point we didn't have a full album's worth of material, or at least material that we were completely happy with, uh, you know, putting on a record. So the start of 2022, we uh, really drilled into kind of um, a little bit more of the reserves in terms of songwriting, because as much as we recorded and released that EP last year, it was pretty much all recycled material right. from the past. So we hadn't really tested out, you know, our songwriting mm-hmm. capability as a four-piece uh since starting as a band so uh we really kind of like drilled into that at the start of this year um which we're really pleased with it was really good fun you know with the addition of sam uh and greg hollister as well I'll give a shout out to greg who uh plays keys with us when we play play live um he's definitely added uh, uh, a fantastic kind of element to the songwriting process as well so yeah we finished off the writing of the album at the start of this year uh and then uh yeah jumped in the studio pretty much straight after that so uh, the the bulk of the album has been recorded in uh, a little, uh, uh, sorry, a little studio in the South Wales Valleys, a little town called Abercarn, pretty much where we're from, coincidentally. Oh, right. um, called, called Snake Mountain
1: Studios. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's, it's great, and um, it's it's owned and run by a couple of friends of ours who are musicians as well and playing various bands, and and those guys are fantastic at what they do, whether it's you know playing live, songwriting, or Kind of engineering and producing, so the bulk of the, of the album was recorded there. Uh, being down the road as well, it was it was nice to be able to you know go home after yeah. hours as well. You know, as much as it's fun to be in a studio for an amount of time, um, after after a, a, a while, it does kind of waiting in and it's nice to go home to families. Yeah. So, um, and if anyone, if anyone is especially in the area, is is uh, in the, on the lookout for uh, a studio for recording, then check out Snake Mountain because it's a uh, it's super cool. Cool. And the guy's fantastic as well. So that's where we recorded the bulk of, of the album. Uh, we recorded a couple elsewhere as well, which we recorded live. So uh, there's a track called I'm Ready, which is one of the three singles that we've uh, released uh, to date. Uh, we recorded that at Rockfield again. Mm-hmm. So we recorded that live, which is really good fun because that song is, is a little bit more, I guess, a bit more of a vintage sound. Yes. Quite bluesy and there's good energy to it when we play live, and we always kind of thought, I'm not sure if going to really translate that well to
1: recording in the studio. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. In terms yeah. of
0: multi-tracking, so we always thought, right? It's, it's it's kind of cool, you know. I remember growing up and having albums, you know, you had one recorded live, or then there was always something special about that, you know, and you you really feed off that that vibe and that energy in the room of yeah. everyone recording together. So we recorded I'm Ready uh, Rockfield, uh, which was really good fun, uh, and then the song that i mentioned earlier that was on our first tom Oroster trio ep back in um, 2010 uh, a song called tied up in blue right um not to be confused with tangled up in blue of course
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <And> mr dylan <laughs> <bit different>,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah it's um we recorded that uh live
1: again but uh in abbey road cool i bet that was amazing to be there
0: yeah, it was fantastic. So I guess the, the context to that was that um, earlier on this summer, uh, we were lucky enough to get into Abbey Road to film a, a, a three-song kind of uh, live video session. Yeah, so
1: that's all right uh, on YouTube, right, if anyone wants to check. Yeah,
0: that. and those, those are up on YouTube at the moment. So uh, they're there at the moment. And, and we, uh, yeah, it was three songs that we recorded. Uh, and so far, Rise Up, which is the first single off the album, uh, is available on YouTube, uh, as is Ain't My Time okay uh so then the third the third track that we recorded was tied up in blue so uh, as much as we the intention was to record that as a multi-track kind of studio version when we were in snake mountain when kind of listening back to it, it again it was that's quite a bluesy song and there's a kind of like a bit of a special feel and as much as it's not a fast and energetic song there's a good energy and uh, vibe to it and we played live and we, again it was one that we kind of thought we lost uh, as, a, as a multi kind of track studio kind of version so at that point when we were mixing uh, and kind of mastering the album in terms of what we recorded we kind of made a decision to go with the Abbey Road version because it was a fantastic feel and I think you, there was a bit of magic from that place in terms of recording in that room which yeah. uh, which, which brushed off on the sound of it so, <laughs> um, so we we're quite happy really that we went with that decision to include that live Abbey Road version of uh, Tied Up In Blue so
1: yeah, it sounds cool on the credits as well. Like it's just a, it's a, something interesting that people will want to listen to, and uh, and I know a lot of bands, even my band, we we got something massive at Abbey Roads. It looks cool on the credit, but it, of course it does. Yeah, I didn't yeah. get I didn't get to go myself; just the producer went. But um, yeah, it's still it's still cool. It's got so much history there, and obviously you know, we're big. I'm sure you're a Beatles fan, like I am as well. well yeah, everyone. Just, yeah. Some people aren't, but which i yeah, i get confused true. i get confused by them those people, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah isn't it isn't it a track or was it just for for something you did online where you recorded a song with just one microphone because that was really yeah. interesting. yeah
0: so, that was fun so that was I'm ready right. so that's uh, the track I just mentioned that we recorded in a rock and we recorded live as well um, so yeah we wanted it to, rather than put together another kind of you know official music video if you like because i'm ready was the second single off the album yeah. that we released uh, back last month rather than do the, the kind of same you know kind of video that will go with the single we thought oh maybe we'll try and do something a little bit different so we got into a converted church i'm not sure if you've heard of it acapella
1: yeah i've heard of it yeah Cardiff. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah i know yeah no- great old converted church into the into studio yeah, I've never um,
1: been somehow, but I've never been. I've always known it exists.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they do they do live kind of shows as well. Obviously, it's very small and intimate. But uh, mm-hmm. and I've not been the one, so I since recording there, I'm very much kind of making sure that uh, in the next couple of months, if I see a uh, a good show there, then I'm definitely going to go because it's a great little place. And yeah, the, yeah. the acoustics are fantastic. But anyway, yeah, sorry, we we uh, recorded "I'm Ready" there with uh, just one ribbon mic.
1: Amazing. Yeah, yeah. It sounded in the centre cool. of the
0: room, and I guess because it's an old church, the you know the the, the acoustics were fantastic in terms of the, the kind of hollowness of it. Um, so it was a bit of a challenge in terms of uh, where to put everyone in terms of you know the distance from the mic, especially with the drum kit. I've never done that before. Yeah. So it's like, am I playing too loud? Am I playing too soft? You know, what's this going to sound like? There was at times when we were doing it, thinking, oh, we made the right decision here, but um, it I was great well, fun.
1: Might as well try. It.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, it, turned, it turned out really well. So um, yeah, like I said, one mic in the middle of the room. Um, uh, we got uh, a Chris, Tom, uh, and then a friend of ours who uh, comes on the road with us and does a little bit of recording in terms of backing vocals, Tay, uh, who's a fantastic singer as well. Um, got them around the mic uh, and we went for it and it turned out really well. And I, the video that we kind of captured that on then.
1: yes, yeah, um, really good. Really good.
0: and put the video out on YouTube. I think, yeah, it was a hell of a lot of fun, and I think that's what kind of comes out in the, the finished article, especially the video, but because we've never done that kind of thing before, and as much as at first it was, we were a little bit apprehensive, thinking, oh, you know, I'm not quite sure what to make of this, once we kind of like got into the rhythm and we were happy with the placement of everyone around that one, Mike, it was yeah. a hell of a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, well, and it, and, and, I don't and know any fans...
0: Well.
1: Yeah, the song is great, and... Um... But yeah, you can see you're having you're having fun in the video, and there's even like a laugh in it at some point. I think if if I'm yeah, if I'm afraid yeah of the right laughs. video, and, um, and a couple of like,
0: screams and whoops and whistles. Yeah,
1: and, yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know any band that had ever done that before, like a modern band. So I think it really stands out. And I think with these days, everyone expects the music to be perfect and it to be about forty eight tracks. It's just like it's so cool that you did that, but it suits the music perfectly and it really comes across. So yeah, make sure you go check that out. Um, oh, thank you, man. Whoever's listening. Um, so you've got you, you've just done like a big headline tour, which is really successful. I went to the, the, the more local show in Newport. Uh, it was it was amazing. Um, I think most of the shows sold out, which shows there's obviously a massive buzz about the band. Um, but you've got an upcoming tour with Peter Frampton, like that's pretty big deal. <laughs>
0: Oh Well, yeah, again, he's another one of those kind of iconic names of of British pop and rock music over the last, like, 50 years. He was pretty much the main act of the 1970s. So when we kind of realised that we had a sniff of being invited, uh, you know, to open up for Peter Frampton on his UK tour, obviously we jumped at the chance. So, yeah, we're super, super buzzed about it and and really humbled that, you know, he chose a band like ours who's only been going, you know, just over a year uh, to open up for him uh yeah it's fantastic so um there's there's three dates uh they start actually uh only in a couple of weeks so i guess maybe by the time this uh the podcast goes out we'll pretty much be on the road with him so we're playing stoke ah. stoke victoria hall um the glasgow uh armadillo uh, yeah. theater uh and then uh it finishes up in the royal albert hall
1: ah you heard of that one
0: <laughs> that's yeah. amazing.
1: I've, ne- I've never even been there, man. So that's going to be so cool for you to play it, play that venue. That's like a bucket list venue for most musicians, I think.
0: It is. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I've not been to see a concert there. I've been there to see uh, almost, you know, the Cirque du Soleil oh, and yeah, the shows. Yeah. Yeah, and that yeah. was really cool. But yeah, you're right. In terms of the people who, who played there. The iconic names you know the iconic kind of shows that have happened it's and it just looks incredible you know yeah, to, yeah. to to be able to just envisage what it would be you know from stage looking out to that incredible auditorium would be um yeah it would send a shiver down the spine i think so we're super excited about <laughs> that. hopefully don't get too too nervous otherwise the whole thing's gonna blow but
1: nah you'll be fine you'll be fine so uh i don't know if there's tickets left for that but if anyone's listening if you can get a ticket to one of those shows I highly recommend it because it's going to be well worth the admission price I'm sure oh um, thank you man yeah oh, I'm sure it will be good fun yeah yeah that's really cool and, and like we we didn't even mention um on was it last year you did a tour with Miles Kennedy which is a big deal uh, the rockers will know who Miles Kennedy is um and his part of his an acoustic tour which was a bit different because he's got like solo albums and stuff um yeah how was that for you
0: Amazing, I mean, yeah, and again, as, as you know, different era, but again, a bit of a legend, you know, in terms of rock music, yeah. So, and, and that all came about, um, you know, as Covid was very much still kind of tying everyone down. So, um, I think it was he announced that he was uh going on a UK tour, and it was December 2021, yeah, he's a March tour, if anyone is a, is a Miles fan. Um, so Chris. Kind of got the know miles a little bit through kind of social media and various other kind of bits and pieces. um Just reached out to him and said, "Oh, congratulations, man, on the you know announcing the tour in the UK." And not sure if you have got support yet, but you know we've just kind of launched as a band, and and here's our link to our music. And if if you know if you're interested, then we'd love to play. Oh, nice! So um, he got back to us, and yeah, strangely enough, he said, "Yeah, go, that'd be fantastic. Go for it." So. Um, yeah that was <laughs> if, back in december 2021 if only uh, if it was you, oh,
1: that you, easy <laughs>
0: you don't ask you don't get
2: right
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's definitely true absolutely <laughs> that's what I've, i always that's what i always say to people when i i suggest things whether it's my band or other bands and i'm like well if you don't ask you'll never know you might as well ask
0: yeah and that's the thing and sometimes you you come up with a suggestion like that or maybe we'll just you know put a question out there sometimes you know and i'm guilty of that as well Oh, I don't be stupid. He's never gonna. He's never gonna take that. Oh, he's never gonna accept. You know, he's not even gonna respond. But um, luckily, luckily for us, he did. And yeah, we went out on I think it was about a ten day tour across the UK uh, back last winter, uh, which was amazing and played yeah. in some really cool places. Because I think at that point we'd only played two or three gigs as a band as Cardinal see. Black. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, to then start off, like the first gig was the wished- Academy in Bristol. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, one of those three gigs was in a castle as well, just to make it sound yeah. even more epic.
0: <laughs> yeah, and again, it was, you know, again, and maybe it's not who you know rather than what you know, right? But um, yeah. some of the guys at York, good mates with those damn crows from uh, from South Wales, yeah, um, they had a headline showing Cardiff Castle uh, and they kind of reached out to Chris, I think it was, and I think they, they kind of knew each other from various other festivals that they played in the past. And uh, said, "You know, would you be interested in opening up for us?" And that was our first gig. We never done; we hadn't done anything at that point. So he's like, "Look, so. Cardiff Castle, which if anyone's never been, it's uh, it's a fantastic venue for a for a, for a show for a gig, uh, especially summertime." So um, yeah, we were we were stoked to play that, and um, we had a fantastic time. Um, so that yeah, that was the first gig. And then fast forward a couple of months, then that's when um, Miles invited us on board, and uh, it was primarily playing like the O two Academies
2: yeah really around good in
0: the uk so yeah. yeah we go and go and from nothing to yeah Cardiff castle which was a big deal and then on to those so talk about pressure and the nerves and yeah it's yeah it's it's that, a lot of,
1: lot of pressure but
0: yeah so yeah and fantastic venues that we owe miles a hell of a lot really And that um as much as at the time it was a bit of a strange one really because like i said covid was still kind of lingering uh, and it was december 2021 so there was a lot of things being cancelled around about that time especially in the uh, kind of entertainments and, and music industry yeah so we were it was kind of touch and go we were thinking that's just going to get pulled at the last minute you know this big thing that you know has, has landed on our lap no like nowhere that we you know you know can't believe our luck with might actually get taken from under our feet very much to go ahead but because of the kind of sensitive nature of kind of infections and covid and everything it was very much bubbled yeah. Up. so unfortunately we couldn't really spend an awful lot of time kind of with miles and the band uh lovely guys as well you know miles is is is, is just a gentleman he's, he's super nice and obviously amazingly talented but zia who's in on the drums uh i'm not sure if you've seen much of zia I, I
1: only from only from the miles stuff to be honest i haven't seen a lot from him otherwise but i think i do follow him on instagram
0: yeah, he's killer, man. He's super nice yeah. guy as well. And since then, yeah, we kind of chat every now and again on on kind
1: of social media. So it was nice
0: to make a bit of a mate there. So, Isaiah, yeah, yeah. um, i's if you're listening, come on the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and then Tim as well is basis. So, um, yeah, it was a little kind of strange in that we had to keep our distance uh, uh, from Miles and the and, and the crew. Yeah, uh, and we couldn't even go out to the. To the front to watch the gig, you know, when they were playing, because of you know we couldn't really risk uh, mixing yeah. it with with the public and the audience. So um, no. that was quite strange, but an incredible experience. All that, you know, nonetheless, it was um, it was the first kind of main tour that we that we uh, we went out on. As much as it was a support tour, it was incredible experience, especially someone you know as great as Miles. Um, so that was fantastic, and um, yeah, it's, and and like you said, we've recently gone on our head our own headline tour. Uh, This autumn has just finished the last few weeks. And so many places that we played, so many many of the gigs we were at, and the people we met afterwards all had kind of Miles T-shirts on and all at the bridge, and they're like, we came to see you when we went to the Miles gig in Glasgow or Birmingham or Manchester or wherever it was. And, um, you know, we loved you guys. So, you know, that was our kind of exposure to Cardinal Black. So not only did we have like an amazing experience at the time, uh, in touring with Miles, it was you know it's it's been so beneficial to us uh, since then as well. In that it's given us you know a, a bit more of a fan base and yeah, it's
1: given you that boost of external like an external audience that wasn't Chris's audience and wasn't your local audience, I guess. But that's that's it shows that the system can work.
0: <laughs> system works, yeah.
1: yeah. Support other bands, and if you're not if you're not crap. Uh people were coming to see you <laughs> again.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, so yeah, you know, thanks to Miles and everyone for bringing us on because I think that was a, mm. a massive kind of um kind of injection of pace into the life of the band, if you like, because like you said, my um COVID kind of shut everything down and dragged dust out It was almost like we were kind of swimming in trickle at times, so we yeah. couldn't really get things off the ground. But then having that was that injection of kind of energy that we really needed. So that kind of like stood us in good stead then uh right. for twenty twenty two.
1: And then just briefly, you also supported the Struts, I believe. So you've had quite a few good support slots already.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's funny, like you said, we kind of launched last year and kind of I was coming on the podcast thinking, it's not much we really talk about, it, really, because we have only been going as a band for a year. But when you put it like that, there's, there's been a, yeah, quite a lot of cool things going on, really. So um, yeah. yeah, the Struts UK band, fantastic boys, love their music. Um, uh, Adam, uh, the guitarist in the Struts, was uh, friends with Chris. You know guitarists like stick you know stick around yeah. and stick to to what they know kind of thing you know they, they always make friends bloody um guitarists, so, bloody guitarists yeah <laughs> i mean drummers would drummers would never talk to each other like that would they
1: <laughs> i know oh man so what
0: uh, yeah i yeah, reached, reached out to chris yeah so i reached out to chris and said oh we've got this uh uk tour coming up uh in july if you guys are around and you're free and you fancy it. So yeah, of course we bit their hand off because uh, yeah, they are a band and uh, we love what they do. Um, so that was good fun as well. So that was a short, a slightly shorter tour. So that was six dates in the summer, similar kind of venues and some uh, O2 academies and whatnot. But um, great to just get to know them as well, because they're, they're, they're great lads. Yeah,
1: uh, I've never, and, never uh, come across them somehow. I don't know how I've never, I've always known the name, but never played a show or seen them live or anything somehow
0: yeah they're um i think they're bigger in the states now
1: maybe yeah, yeah.
0: as you know it happens a lot um which is again i guess is a good place to be big right yeah <laughs> if you can
1: do a it. place like the
0: states yeah so they're if anyone do, doesn't know they, i guess uh, i hope they would mind me say this but they're almost one of their biggest influences i guess would be queen and, and rolling stones so um with a little bit more of a kind of like a rock edge if you like but um yeah, yeah fantastic band but it's cool for me as a drummer, especially because um, they, like I said, they're, they're they're bigger in the states. They're uh, LA based now, and they uh, supported the Foo Fighters on tour. I think for it was for a good good while for a year or two. Wow! So and um, and me, one of my main kind of influences as a as a drummer, especially a young drummer growing up, was Taylor Hawkins.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: so being able to kind of hang out with the Struts then after the shows and, you know, travelling and whatnot and uh, just having a beer and chatting. It was amazing to just kind of listen to their stories, you know, about especially Taylor and yeah. I mean, I I I met Taylor Hawkins once I bumped into him randomly on Queen Street in in Cardiff.
1: Oh yeah, you did tell me, you did tell me. That's incredible.
0: Yeah, so so yeah, if anyone does know, there's like the main shopping street, if you like, in Cardiff called Queen Street and it was like a random Wednesday afternoon and I was out having a look round the shops, shopping, and I walked out of uh, walked out of a shop and I kind of looked up from the street. I thought, "Man, that looks like that guy looks like Taylor Hawkins." And I was like, oh, "Okay, it's probably not." And then as I kind of walked closer, I was like, "It's freaking Taylor Hawkins!" Where <laughs> of course the Foo Fighters were actually playing in the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff that weekend.
1: Small small uh, gig. Small
0: gig. Yeah, it was. I think they were playing with Oasis. Roughly. Oh
1: yeah, oh, I didn't go. I didn't go to that show somehow i don't know maybe i was away but um my brother went and yeah he said he was just crazy
0: amazing yeah i mean i f- love
1: the food fighters i've always
0: yeah. they've been one of my probably one of my favorite bands growing up and still you know uh, as i've gone through life as, as they've evolved as a band um i've kind of been with it every step of the way you know they're, yeah. they're definitely up there with my favorite bands but yeah it was super nice to kind of bump into you know but all the stories that you hear about. Taylor Hawkins and all the kind of tributes that people have made uh, over the months, um, in that he was just a, a, such a sweet, kind, genuine, fantastic human being. Um, yeah. The stories that I was getting from the Struts guys as well, you know, definitely kind of uh, pay testament to that. In the yeah. uh, so getting the, the Struts drummer, nobody doesn't mind me t- kind of talking about this, but um, and he's a Welsh lad as well. Get oh, him. cool.
1: I was going to say it's a very yeah. Welsh name.
0: Yeah, we stick together as well, she's. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, I think when they first kind of uh, started on one of the first kind of tours, um, Gethin was saying that he had a bit of an old kind of beaten up kit. He was a bit down on, on the old pennies at the time, so he was just kind of playing with what he had. Uh, Taylor kind of like took a look at it and he was like, oh man, you need a new kit. So at the time, he, well, uh, of course he has been in, uh, a, a Gretchen Dorsey, uh, gone on the phone to Gretch then and sorted him out with a new kit.
1: What? That's incredible
0: yeah so uh um, wow. just just, just, just
1: little, yeah little things like
0: that and yeah it was it was just super nice and humbling and amazing to just kind of yeah, cure those first-hand experience kind of chats uh from those guys who spent so much time with them yeah. to, you know how how, how cool a, a guy pat smear is
2: yeah. and
0: all that uh That's... and obviously Dave Gall as well being a freaking legend himself and all-round yeah fantastic guy um
1: yeah that was cool so sorry i've gone off on a bit of
0: a tangent there since you're talking about the strut store well, but
1: um no that's really cool i didn't know any of this stuff so thank you
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah we, we played that and it was it was in the summer and it was remember that heat wave that we had
1: yeah it was it was lovely like the hottest summer on
0: record or something no it was nice touring it was
1: no not touring yeah it wouldn't have been good it at was
0: all. fucking horrible but um mm-hmm. Not put a dampener on it too much because yeah, that tour was was great, and uh, we've made some some really good friends there to the guys in the struts and the, the crew and whatnot. So yeah, um,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. If if anyone isn't aware of the struts, go check them out because they're uh, they're awesome.
1: Cool. Apologies for interrupting this episode of Drum for the Song. I really hope you're enjoying it so far. I just wanted to take a few moments to tell you about my Patreon page. This is a place where you can support the podcast in exchange for some bonus content. You can head over to patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. There are three tiers available at the moment. One is £3 a month, one is £5 a month and the other one is £10 a month. Each tier grants you access to exclusive benefits which include bonus episodes, early access to the main episodes, private Facebook group membership, merch discounts, discount on Motorhead Beer as well as a monthly competition to win Motorhead Beer, access to Skype chats with me, asking my guests questions, occasional free gifts like drumsticks, free tickets to Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons shows and your name in the episode description. If you regularly enjoy the podcast and think you would enjoy those benefits too, please consider signing up. If you didn't already know, I do everything for this podcast all by myself. So I do all the contacting, all the research, all the interviews, all the audio editing, all the video editing, all the artwork, all the uploading. I write all the descriptions. I build the website. Everything is just me. So essentially, the money from the subscriptions helps me keep a bit of time free during my weeks so I can continue making the podcast for you guys. So again, that's patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. Check it out and enjoy the rest of the episode. Drum for the Song podcast. So out of all the shows you've done so far, have you got a favorite show, a single show that's your favorite? Um yeah probably um
0: we we were lucky enough on both the uh, uh the miles uh tour uh, and the stretch tour both both runs included shepherd's bush empire
1: oh lovely yeah 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 in
0: in london so again that's one of the old kind of you know iconic places especially growing up you know i would be able to see bands there myself and um there's a lot of history in that place uh it's an incredible you know it's a, it's a beautiful looking room as well so uh, we we're always it of the first time that we played there with Miles. We were super excited about that. So there was a definite nervous energy about the gig, and especially when we first started off. But I think we were so stoked by looking out to that amazing room. And and it was sold out as well. The crowd were fantastic. Um, we were just kind of – I remember Chris kind of coming back, you know, when uh, there was a bit of a, a guitar solo and kind of looking over to me and, 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 you know, having a bit of back and forth with each other. It just – you know, I kind of screaming, you know, it's just, oh my God, it's Shepherd's Bush Empire. <laughs> so there was, there was so much kind of like good energy there. And, we, you know, we couldn't believe what we were doing because, to all intents and purposes, at that point, we were about four months old as a band. Yeah. We are like, what are we doing here? So yeah. that's probably up there with uh, one of the best gigs that we've done as Cardinal Black. Uh, and then we returned there again with the struts. And as much as that was great, I think it was, ah, uh, you know, we've been here before, we've done it.
1: Yeah. I, it's never it's going to be as special as the first time. I guess,
0: yeah, but yeah. it's it's a great, it's a it's a, a fantastic venue, and obviously, yeah. I guess I said that with my tongue in tongue in cheek slightly because that gig as well with the stretch was was unbelievable. You know, their fans are great as well, but um, yeah, that first time there, that was um that was special. We all came off, you know, absolutely buzzing and um couldn't believe really, couldn't believe what we just done, you know. And, and like I keep saying, in such a short amount of time as a band as well, it was a bit of a pinch of me moment really, but. Um, yeah, I probably put the yeah the Shep Shepherd, Shepherds Bush show on the Miles tour. say nice. it was one of the best.
1: I I don't think I've played that venue. Unfortunately, I think it was it was on. There was a tour we were meant to be doing as a support act, which then got rescheduled and then got rescheduled again, and then I think the rescheduled date didn't include us on it. So I was a bit I'm a bit gutted that I'm not because I was looking forward to playing there as well. Similar. Reasons to you because it's such a legendary London venue. I've been fortunate enough to play some of the other ones, but yeah, yeah I'm gutted about that. Now you say that, but maybe, maybe it's definitely time. Hopefully, there'll be an opportunity someday to play there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a cool old place, but yeah, maybe in terms of uh kind of Carnival Black shows that we weren't supporting, uh, again, I guess the best one from our headline tour uh, this autumn was again in London, a place called The Garage.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I played there, it's really cool. Yeah, nice it's, it's great,
2: isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. I bet that would have been great. Like knowing what you like as a headline act. Yeah, that's a really perfect venue, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's kind of translated into the crowd. In the it, yeah, it almost sold out. I think. Um, I think it's one of the one of the bigger venues that we had on the on our tour. But yeah, um, yeah crowd were fantastic. And again, just that you know, right. In terms of when it's going well, it's going right, Going well, you can feed it off the crowd. They can kind of feed it off you. Yeah, uh, and you have that confidence in that. Yeah, this is you know this is going to be a special one. There's you, no better feeling, I guess.
1: Do you feel it makes you play better when you're in that kind of zone? Yeah, or, or, definitely. Or, yeah, and I, I guess with, with would you say there's a bit more improvisation with your band? Or, I think I don't so. Get, yeah i think a bit more the jamming sections and and i guess the solos and stuff it gives you a bit more room is it maybe i don't know how would you go yeah
0: i think i think given the fact that we've played together for so so long especially myself tom and chris as you know carnal black is a new band we've been playing together for you know 12 13 years uh, especially you know covers as well and a lot of that has been jamming yeah because you know what it's like you've been playing in in covers bands, you've been playing the same songs for 10 years, you know. You try to make them a little bit more interesting, have a little bit of fun, yeah, with absolutely. So, yeah. um, so the jam element is there, I think, with this band. And I think at the start, um, especially on the Miles tour, we were a little bit, oh my god, you know, these songs are brand, uh, more or less brand new, as much as they were written a while ago in terms of their current kind of format as they are now, quite new. And you think, oh, you know, we're on a support tour. and. It's really big, and I don't want to fuck up. I don't want to try and do too much too soon. So I think that tour, we were all a little bit kind of rigid on it, mm. um, not to try too much because we didn't want to do a disservice to ourselves, essentially, you know, and try to um, to screw things up. But I think as time has progressed, and especially on our uh, tour, the lots of course, the last few months, I think we opened up a little bit more and uh, and realised that yeah, it's time to have a little bit of fun with it now because. Uh, as you probably know, especially from Tom, knowing Tom, his personality is very much having fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, but it, it's great. And I think it helps the vibe of the audience, knowing that he's clearly having fun on stage. And all of you are. He's smart, everyone's beaming smiles. And it's great. And, you know, I think it's a good thing. And I think people just need to go and watch you. I know I'm going to be whoring oh, the band thanks, out. Man. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's a special. Away, it's my a, it's a special thing, and you know, um, if you appreciate good musicians and good songs and, and nice vibes, yeah, it just it's just got to be done. It's, it's really cool. So, I, I hope you continue for a long, long time. And you know, maybe Jeez, one man. day you can headline Shepherd's Bush Empire. Oh, maybe that. that be like, I just don't think you're too far away from that if things are going on the same tra- trajectory. We see how this album goes down. I think. I think. Definitely with a, you know, I think a couple of more tour supports. Well, it's going to be amazing, the one you've got coming up. So, and then, yeah, I think you'll be headlining that place soon enough, I think.
0: (laughs) Oh, thanks, man. It's very kind. um,
1: Fingers crossed for you, anyway.
0: Thanks. Yeah, like you said, it's it's been good so far. Uh, It's more than we could have dreamed of, really, in terms of some of the experiences that that we've had in such a short amount of time. Um, And the album now is, it's a massive milestone, really. It's, it's the first album that I've ever recorded. Um, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So, as much as I've recorded on various things in the past, I've never recorded an album in terms of my own band. Right. Um, yeah. So, that's going to be a, uh, a bit of a proud moment, I guess, when it's released on yeah. Friday. Absolutely. Really looking yeah. forward to that. I guess you know yourself, right? That first body of work that you can put out and say, This is mine and this is what I put. For all intents and purposes, you know, the last 14 years of my life into whether yeah. or not it was, you know, we were together as that band, you know, it, the, the relationships were still there. We still stuck around together. We stayed mates and we still played the covers. And um, without getting too deep, I think sometimes you kind of think that it all happened for a reason, you know, I kind of sometimes I do believe that yeah. in that it was going to happen at some point that we would make the decision to kind of get over ourselves uh, and, you know, Put it on the table to say let's give it a go again so um yeah it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a, a nice moment to get that out there and and hopefully you know people like it and and give it a listen and, and now that we've given it finally given it the, the, the light of day because like I said it's uh, probably half of that album was written years and years ago so we've been kind of locked up in some kind of state of uh, of work in progress now that they're complete we can actually put them out and and make them people's songs as well as our own, um, yeah. and it's really exciting because, like you said, it's, it's you know get out of the deep zone that I'm in now. Recording an album, and it's yeah, it's just super excited about it to be able to say I've done that, and um, yeah. and to see what what comes of it, you know, see what the future brings. I think it's yeah, we 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 more than anything we're enjoying the experience, you know, we're enjoying the ride. We Absolutely. don't take anything for granted. We know that we we've had a couple of really fantastic op- opportunities that have come our way. Um, like the Miles uh, tour, the Struts tour, the uh, Peter Frampton gig uh, tour that we've got coming up at the end of this year. So we always ensure that we, you know, we stay grateful, we stay humble and keep our feet on the ground and, and enjoy it more than anything, you know, because it might not last forever. So um, exactly, yeah, just, just enjoying it.
1: That's the best way to think about it. And uh, congratulations. I'm sure the reviews will probably start coming in soon if they haven't already started coming in. So that they're always exciting to read, especially when it's your first album. So uh, but I'm sure they will all be ten out of tens, five out of fives, wherever they do these days. Um oh thanks man. But yeah let's do like oh no worries. I was gonna say like we haven't talked a lot about drumming. So let's talk about the gear you're using at the moment. So what what are you playing right now in your current setup with, with Cardinal Black?
0: Uh my current setup is uh and again uh going back to my dad uh i've inherited it from my father so it's uh it's uh, it's a 1978 uh ludwig vista kit amazing uh, but it's solid black so rather than the transparent uh, Vistalite, vista it's it's solid black shell um yeah. which i love uh but to be honest with you, i he, he's had it for for years and i've i'd always kind of Maybe I didn't want to steal it off him, you know, step <laughs> on his toes too much. But I always kind of thought, oh, you know, these are Mr. like that. But as my dad has kind of got older, because my dad is you know, primarily just played in, in covers bands um, over the last kind of 10 years or so, he, he hasn't done as much. Um, so that has kind of been left gathering dust uh, to some extent, you know. So I can, and I was very much thinking about getting a new kit because prior to, to kind of inheriting this, uh, I played Tama.
1: Yeah, I thought, I thought you were playing Tama for a while.
0: Yeah, I had a couple of Tamar kits, uh, Star Classics, and again going back to the Taylor Hawkins kind of influence. Um, of course, he used to play Tammer before he moved over to Gretsch, yeah. and that was pretty much the prime reason, really, that I started playing tamer. Uh Going back then as well, when I was in my late teens, I tried to look like Taylor Hawkins, so I remember growing my hair and dyeing it blonde. And
1: did you? Oh wow, I'd love to see pictures of that if you've got any. So oh, <laughs>
0: try and dig him out. As much yeah. I tried
1: to look like him, I never sounded like him.
0: Because, <laughs> who, who sounds like, like Taylor Hawkins, right?
2: No, exactly. But,
0: yeah, yeah, so I, so be, for that reason, I kind of uh, started playing Tamar and continued to do so for over 10 years, I guess. Um, at which point, I, I wanted to, I've wanted i always kind of been into the uh, kind of vintage kits. Uh, yeah. And I was kind of uh, thinking, oh, maybe rather than getting new now, I'll, I'll see what I can pick up vintage-wise. Like I spoke to my dad, and he said, "Well, why didn't you just use the, uh, the Ludwig?" Yeah, yeah. So, um, so uh, yeah, I'd kind of stolen that from him as much as he said it's
1: a That's Cool though. I think that's cool though that you like. I imagine he can come and watch you play playing his old kit It's pretty special and stuff like that. And, yeah, it's it, it's nice. And it's, if you've recorded with it, I don't know if you did record with it, but like, yeah. it's really cool yeah. knowing it's going to be on an album and stuff like that. I think special
0: yeah and that's the thing you you know right in terms of uh, your father and it's it's, it's an amazing yeah. thing that you guys play together but having yeah. you know that kind of like connection in terms of one thing being carried, uh, handed down from father to son it's um it's really cool yeah and and, and that's exactly obviously like you said it's exactly the same with the kit so yeah it's a, it's a 78 uh vista light uh ludwig uh, awesome. just a uh, three-piece uh a 24-inch bass drum as well which uh, is lovely
1: 24, I didn't realise it was 24. Yeah, that's where I play, man. It's good. Yeah, like, I, don't think I, could, I don't think I could go back now. No, that's it. it? It's,
0: and and yeah, that's yeah. the thing, because I've still got my Tama kits as well, and uh, I kind of play them from time to time. I think, no, nah, there's it's no comparison, really.
2: Yeah.
0: There's nothing <laughs> wrong with Tama, by the way. If no. there's any Tama lovers, out I there, mean, I do love them. And like you said, it's, it's what I've played for the majority of my life, really. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, so that uh, old Luddy, uh i've got a it's not a vintage but a a, a black baby snake
1: yeah it sounded really good on the show man when when i came to oh show, i forgot i don't know nice if i man. told you but yeah it, it sounded really nice
0: Pretty yeah good. they're amazing i'd wanted to get one for a while uh but obviously they cost a little bit of money and at the time i was always a little bit hard on cash so yeah, uh pricey. previously that i had a a ludwig super sensitive which is lovely as well and that's one of my guys um so that's nice in terms of that's an aluminium today so it's nice to have that kind of um contrast really uh, yeah. it's different sides as well but yeah the, the the black beauty is yeah i love it it's great it's so versatile as well and especially in the studio in terms of recording the album i got so many uh great sounds out of it whether it's you know um the nice snap in terms of some of the some of the rockier kind of tracks that we were playing and recording yeah. or Especially, you know, going back to that vintage sound on "I'm Ready," which is a little bit more oldie bluesy sound uh, in like an old music hall. We've got that out of the Black Booty as well. It's oh, cool. I remember being in the studio and having um, a, a bunch of my dad's old snares and a couple that I've got as well, and some that I loaned from, from uh, friends who were drummers. Of course, you, as you know, when you record, you can never have, have enough gear at your disposal. Yeah, um, trying different things out, it always came back to the Black Booty. You know, in terms of different different tuning and uh different heads on it and and different snare wires, but it's yeah, it's fantastic. So uh um, okay. yeah, I'm yeah, I'm in love with that drum.
1: Okay. I, I think I recently got given one for a festival we played, because I'd never played one before and I was pretty impressed with it. But like I didn't really have that much time to experiment with it. It was kind of like, Oh, there's your snare drum. You're on in thirty yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind it's of like hard oh, then, isn't it? I just try and tune it the, like the way I would normally tune my normal snare. And but yeah, it felt it was felt nice, and I was impressed, man. So one day if I win the lottery, I'll, I'll buy one for myself. But uh, nice black beauty. You can never have too many snares. you just that's the like, thing. But you can only use one at a time. Or if you if you some drummers they use two or three. But like for me, uh, one one at a time is enough for what oh, I. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, like you said, the more money you have, the more snees you have, right? I think that's yeah, yeah. probably the the way to look at it,
2: yeah
0: um but so yeah. yeah, but then in terms of the rest of the the setup, it's symbols wise um I think i'm I'm different to you, you're a pasty man, aren't you
1: yeah, 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 th- and uh, again, that was my father's choice.
0: I was going to say rather it's more than- of an
1: old school choice, isn't it?
0: yeah i sorry not to make you sound like you're old or anything no, but uh, you know you like
1: yeah. my dad no <laughs> no, but, it, than me. It, but that's why i like it i like them because i like because it's the old school it's the classic rock sound really for, for yeah. me for the music i play it's perfect you know so
0: and, and definitely like i said growing up as a young drummer and being taught by my dad and i didn't have any money to buy gear i was really fortunate in that respect actually because i had yeah. all the gear there yeah i could just used my dad's stuff so um and it was always yeah pasty the cool. 2002s, I mean, the goat pretty much yeah. of of, yeah. Uh, of rock symbols, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. My dad was always into uh, my dad's favorite drummer, Terry Williams. Oh, awesome. Very cool. I say his favorite drummer, but I think his favorite drummer was uh, was Bollum. I mean, as a rock fan, you know, that's probably the yeah. number one choice, but he was always mad into uh, Terry Williams from Swansea. Yeah.
1: Awesome. In,
0: in dire straits. And yeah, he, he used to have stories that because he was endorsed by uh, Pasty, he would just end up selling them all the time. So every all all the covers bands in like the South Wales valleys, all the drummers used pasty because you would just get the get the endorse symbols oh. and flog them on. Ah, sneaky, Very yeah. Sneaky. So i um, yeah. Sorry, so I'm I play zildjian,
1: cymbals. yeah. Like Taylor Hawkins, and again like Taylor, yeah. Mm. Now, yeah I, I, I I I used to play zildjian as well, man. I, um, a couple of years ago, well, a few years back. I had like a nice set, and I, I played them for years. I I loved them. A, a customs, um, I had a, a twenty-one inch sweet ride, which I loved. A Sweet yeah. Ride. beautiful crashable ride symbol. Um, yeah, you know, I I really like them as well. But like, yeah, like for the for the music I'm playing now, like the Pisces stuff is perfect, and I got they really they've been really good to me, and I'm very fortunate, really. To you know, have a deal with them because it's not that easy to get a deal with big brands like that. So that was my next question: like, do you do you have any like endorsement deals with any of these companies, or have you looked into that yet? Because uh, I I don't. If any companies are out there yeah. listening, hit me up. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, like, shameless plug in. No, but it, you like you're at that stage now where I'm sure you could easily get stuff. Or you know, like I don't get anything for free. I, I I get like artist price, but but it's it's nice to have the support and and, and the relationship with them. If anything goes wrong, if you need something or something replaced, it does help.
0: Yeah, absolutely. i uh, so uh, I meant to ask you actually. So you are endorsed by Paisley?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm like very low on very the pecking nice. order. I'm sure very uh-huh. low on the pecking order. But yeah, they, you know, they, I, I I got a good relationship with the guy in the UK and in Switzerland. Um, the, the guy in Switzerland came to meet me when we played there in the summer at the festival so that, that was really nice um, yeah it's, that's it's, the thing it's
0: not only what you get in terms of symbols and, and yeah. instruments it's it's the relationship you build up there with those guys as well
1: yeah and it's, it is nice it's nice to have that and um, I'm sure a lot of other drummers you know I, I, this drummers I've um, I've had on this show and I know they're really really friendly with the artist relation guys and like, like hang out with them and socialize with them and stuff like that so I, like none of them really live local to me but i'm sure we'd have fun if we ever did that as well
0: but, yeah yeah that's it so um no i yeah that's obviously uh, if the if the right kind of opportunity uh yeah. came along then uh that'd be fantastic at the moment i, I always kind of said I, I guess maybe it's like a bit of a confidence thing in that oh well you know maybe i won't approach anyone because who's gonna you know what I mean? It's, again, it's that kind of fear of rejection, right? And that, okay, well, if someone wants to work with me, then maybe they have come to me. And that's in no way an arrogant thing. Uh, but maybe it's, yeah, that fear of, uh,
1: no, you're okay. I think, well, I think there's so many drummers about now. And I think I think you're more likely to get approached by smaller companies, as in they're the ones that are out there looking for artists. I think really, if you really, like you, the brands you play are all kind of premium Kind of well-known brands. I think those companies, from my experience, you've got to go asking them. But you've got to big yourself up and do it at a time when you've got loads of cool things going on. But like, like you have, you have done. I'm sure you. Yeah, would be in a good position. You know, if you wanted to approach Children or someone like that, um like it might even be worth speaking to Ronnie from those damn crows. I know he's recently uh, acquired a deal with them. He might be able to at at least introduce you. Yeah, it's a bit of a way in. Yeah, it's definitely worth it, man. Um Yeah, but... I think
0: it's like you said, I, given the fact that we, you know, we've just finished our headline tour, I, I think it's it's kind of good to get a lot of things under under your belt so you can kind of evidence that and say, you know, this is in terms of like the last two years, this is what we've done or this is what I've done as a player. Yeah. So I kind of puts you in a better position really to to um to potentially get something. But um I always kind of thought, like I said, I always go, "Oh, I got, I got all the gear that I need, so I'm not yeah. in any hurry to get something new." But then I keep buying new stuff, and I think, "Ah, oh, see if I had an endorsement deal, then I wouldn't have had to spend all this money."
1: Yeah, you got. But a bit, used... bit, 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 you know, it's, I don't know what it is these days. It depends on the company, like forty percent off maybe is. Yeah. It's, it all adds up though. Yeah, because I used because,
0: like I said, I play the Cymbals, Symbols, uh, and for oh, I don't know how long it's been now, but I've always uh, played K's okay custom uh very are,
1: expensive <laughs> fantastic
0: symbols yeah yeah uh but i I bought a few um uh the constantinople range very expensive again so he's, yeah exp- <laughs> more expensive again yeah it's another yeah. kind of step up isn't it and that's elliot bennett's fault
1: that's his fault because he yeah he he's like kind of put them on the main he's like oh yeah they're
0: fantastic was like so I, I was lucky enough actually when we recorded that he uh like i said i i managed to acquire a bunch of snare drums from friends but I, I got a, a, a load of Elliot cymbals.
1: Oh, wow, cool. Because nice I was stuff. kind of
0: talking to him, thinking, oh, about, you know, the Constantinobles. So I play K at the moment. And yeah, I really fancy those Constantinobles. You play them, they sound, they sound lovely. Yeah, they look great as well. Uh, and he said, oh, just take these then, because he's got like a ton of, ton of gear. And he's like, oh, have them for as long as you need. So I ended up using a load of his cymbals on, on the record
2: in um, the studio, which is
0: really nice of him. He is a legend, yeah, he's, he's a yeah. great guy um so that kind of like got me into okay well i've tried them i know they sound good i know that they fit the sound uh of the band uh, yeah. uh and of my playing essentially so um that's when i started kind of acquiring some Constantinople's. uh the hyatt's uh, uh gorgeous yeah I fell in love with them but like i said it's uh, you do i do think oh i'm okay for gear, and i won't bother getting anything and then you know you and get you're, told then by you're, a friend of yours that
1: you break a you'll break a right symbol or something and you're like ah oh. I need £500 now to, to replace that. Yeah, that's the thing. They're not cheap, are they? <laughs> no, so, I, um, I don't think you break many ride symbols in, in the way, I guess, the style you play is less chance of that, brother.
0: Yeah, I've got to be honest, I've never broke a symbol in my life. Oh, I've that's good. anything, no, yeah.
1: Well, tell, tell the symbol companies that because that means <laughs> you don't cost them as much money in replacements.
0: Well, maybe that's I want good. to do a Terry Williams and start making a bit of money yeah, off on of the sell yeah, of yeah. all the covers bands in the South Wales Valleys.
1: Yeah, you don't want to be doing that. You don't want to be doing that. do uh, that, no. What, what, what about, briefly, on sticks and heads? What's your preference?
0: Uh, sticks. I've always played Promark.
1: Oh, yeah. Cool. Very nice. Yeah,
0: uh, the Hickory. Uh, yeah, classic, I guess. I'll like, say now, I, when I was younger, I went through a phase of playing big for a while. Again, kind of classic. But um strange now, you kind of settle on, on a stick brand then. Yeah. You, so, yeah. and you stick to that, you know, whatever you do don't change from that brand you know it's if i have to play something else then you know i'm going to be completely different or I'm, I'm not going to be go able to play anymore but um yeah big fan of Pro promark sticks um what size six do you use
1: at the moment i'm technically playing a 5b xl which is like a slightly longer five B. Oh, okay but um you know i'm in a big heavy rock band so that's well i i well i was using the normal five b's and then i i think I just tried the slightly longer versions, just out of interest. And I was like, I instantly felt more comfortable having that extra reach. So um, yeah, I'm sticking with them, I'm quite, enjoy- I'm quite enjoying them.
0: No, I say I'm 5A, I've always been 5A. And it's, it's funny, isn't it? I'm, I mean, especially given the fact I've gone all this time playing the same sticks, as soon as I hold something remotely different, then it's just like, what the hell is this in my hands? You know, it's like, I could never play that. But I guess I've just never given a chance, I mean,
1: you could probably play um, with any any pair of sticks. It's just get, you just need the time to get used to how they feel and the, how they rebound and the weight and and it might it might limit your speed maybe if you went heavier and stuff like that. Yeah. Really. And, and but I'm sure you you could technically play with anything, but you just got to yeah, find probably. something that you know you can get through a set through comfortably and obviously durability is quite important in the music I play. Yeah. because they it, I guess they get a lot of weight, it's a lot of high volume stuff, and so like that's what's kind of important to me, but like I used to play five A's because it was just that's what the the normal size was
0: and yeah, I, it's like the standard, isn't it yeah
1: yeah, and I played them for years until I just gradually kind of pushed myself in the heavier direction, and even a five b isn't that heavy compared to some people yeah but but for for me, I'm pretty I, it's a nice a nice balance for me. Personally. yeah i'll tell
0: you what i'll i'll start experimenting with some different size sticks and i'll let you know how i
1: get on well it's no if you're happy there's no point but I, I felt like i needed yeah i needed that extra weight and durability yeah I felt it the, the, back back in the day you know
0: yeah no no and, and i think i just in terms of being yeah. i'm always up for you know trying different things yeah because like i said i've been 5a for god 20 odd years or more who you know? I might prefer something else, yeah. you know. So I'll. Uh, I'll
1: I think it's all Promark, about kind of get
0: out your comfort zone, isn't you know, it, and trying different things.
1: Yeah, I think. I think what, what I because I used, I used, because I, I used to work in a music shop. I used to dabble in all the different brands of sticks. So I always used to buy them and try them out, and that's kind of how I got experimental. but I think ProMark they do a size. I think they're called seven four seven, and
2: they're
1: like they're like slightly slightly heavier. I don't know if they're longer than a five a and that was kind of one of my starting points and i was like oh i quite like a slightly heavier stick and without kind of going too extreme so that might be worth exploring but they'll still feel the same you know as your, your regular pro max in terms of the way the stick feels So that might be something to try if you if you want to try something heavier but um but then are not that yeah
0: heavy. i'll give it a go like you said yeah. i'll it's it's as as much as I do like the five A's, I'm, I'm always a foot, you know trying things yeah. things. I mean, I never really considered it to stick. so um, no, yeah, just... I'll, I'll definitely give others a try.
1: Nice. And then what about heads? Yeah, heads, uh, so I'm a Remo. Ah, cool. Yeah, that's what I use. Man,
0: yeah, and it's again, it's just kind of like filtered down from my dad, really. And my dad's always been a Reno, uh, a Remo lover, uh, oh, yeah. pinstripes predominantly. Yeah. Um, so on, on the other kits that I've had, I uh, usually play uh, the Ambassadors.
1: Oh, yeah, really, okay. which I've
0: loved, yeah, really yeah. nice, kind of like warm sound, especially with this uh, kind of power uh, yeah. style of music as well, yeah um, it's beautiful, works really well, but since I've taken his taken over his uh his luddy, uh the vista Light kit, he had uh pinstripes. Uh, they cle- tried amp- out coat- yeah, the clear pinstripes, yeah. uh oh, yeah. uh, so I tried put me a coated ambassadors on, and just didn't really have the same kind of you know, just didn't sound as right really as as. And maybe it's because I was used to that kit with the Remo, sorry, with the pinstripes on, the clear pinstripes. But um, I kind of reverted back then to, you know, dad knows best, I guess.
1: Well, uh, yeah, but that's that's something I'd like to say that is important. I think yeah. you, can have, you can have a preference, but not your preference isn't always the right choice for that shell. And it's, yeah, it's the same, it. with, same with snare drums as well. And not, that's something I've noticed over the years. Like I've never really had a, an Acrylate kit, um, so I I wouldn't know what to recommend for something like that, but um, there's certain kits I've had where I swore by like a coated emperor, uh, which is like the double ply. Yeah, yeah. And then and then I I'll, I'll put them on a different kit, and I'd be like, oh, something's not right here. And then I'll stick some clear pinstripes on or a clear emperor, and I'm like, oh, that's sounds better. So it's always good to experiment with heads rather than just go. Oh, I don't like this kit. I'm sure you can get the kit the sound however you want um and yeah, like, yeah likewise with snare drums there's so many different materials and, and sizes of, of, of snare drums that it's not like one head is the best or like you're more likely to find something different that works for that snare that might not work on your other snare so it is always good to experiment um
0: yeah that was like that we said in terms of experimenting different sounds with that uh the black Beauty when we were recording um yeah definitely got that as you said you know different heads you know you're going to get something something different in terms of how the snare kind of cracks or you know something a little bit brighter mm. depending on what that head is so some of the tracks are used uh coated ambassador again or coated emperor cool. emperor x um yes yeah, yeah but in, in, i guess in short definitely a uh a remote man
1: yeah i i think like they're all good all the bloody head companies are great yeah uh, for me it's just it's always worked for me, so I, you know I don't see the point in really going too far away from it. And it's a cl- classic sound, so yeah, can't go wrong with that, man. So what? Yeah, I love it. What, what would you say? Whether you have anything on the pipeline with this album release? What are the What are the ultimate goals for the band? And what are your plans for next year? If you got anything you can tell me about?
0: Oh yeah, what can we What can we divulge uh, at the moment? Um, no, it's in terms of the short term. Like I said, we the, the album uh, comes out this this Friday, so all kind of all time and all uh, attention at the moment is very much geared towards that. Been a, a, a hectic year, really, uh, because we're not signed to a label either. Um, we've been yeah, doing everything. Very kind of, yeah, it's it's, it's very much a DIY um, project that we've got going on, uh, which we, to all intents and purposes, we're really happy with. Really, because I guess first album we would kind of inclined to do it that way anyway uh and we managed to maintain kind of complete control over what yeah. we're doing yeah. um and i think you know in this day and age as you know Dane, it's a label isn't all it was uh you know going back 20 34 years ago
2: yeah totally
0: different. Uh, yeah 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 the, the industry has changed right and that uh so many bands are doing it uh in terms of the, the di route um or, uh, you know, again, kind of label service deals, that kind of thing. So they're able to just get elements that you would normally get from a record deal um, in terms of what suits your band, in terms of maybe what you're lacking yeah. in, uh, yeah. in terms of your own particular project uh, to give it the, the boost it needs. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been it's been super hectic. So towards the end of the year, we've got the Frampton uh, short tour coming up at the beginning of December um, off the back of the, the album, obviously, which is coming up this week. Uh, and then we've got uh, a short uh, run of dates in Switzerland in December. Have you? Oh, that's cool. So, so it's in, it's really bad. I can't remember the name of the bloody studio now. Um, but uh, yeah, it's in a, it's in a, a studio in Switzerland uh, in Zurich. And right. it's, God, I hope I'm getting this right now. I hope it's not bloody Sweden or something. I'm saying Switzerland in Zurich. <laughs>
1: yeah, Zurich. Actually, Zurich's also, in Switzerland. Stock- <laughs> is, is it Stockholm no no
0: sorry oh, no. it's Switzerland no. it's Zurich. Oh, yeah.
1: um... I, was, I was there last week
0: oh were you yeah. on the tour
1: how yeah. was it it was it was awesome it was we, we're still trying to build in Switzerland it's difficult but um, yeah it was the very smallest venue of the tour it was rammed. it was one of those ones where the, the, it's only a small stage not very high and the whole room is just full so it might not yeah. have been great for people standing at the back so I do apologise but you know that's the way it was but it was a cool show and what's really interesting about that particular venue i think it's switzerland as a whole they have like really strict db limits right yeah so uh i don't think they think you get really you don't i don't think you get restrictions in the uk maybe you do in certain venues but the the db limit for that room is 85 which is like nothing so it was really interesting for me cuz I actively actively played quieter on purpose. Okay, uh, and like I was going to do it do it anyway, but our sound engineer said, "Oh, it might be good if you can hold hold back on the ride cymbal a little bit during the guitar solos." And I was like, "Okay, well, I, I was going to do that anyway. Shall I hold back in general? Because I'm sure that will help you as well."
2: But being yeah. the,
1: the the loud heavy rock band that we are. Um, it was interesting and I quite enjoyed it because I didn't get as tired. <laughs> Cause I, wasn't, I wasn't playing as hard for the entire set. Like I was consciously thinking about it. I was still kind of making it look like I was enjoying myself and, you know, big movements when needed. But like, I, I was like, oh, it just feels like I'm in rehearsal. I wasn't like pulling. Yeah. Because normally I do put my, you know, say if a normal gigs, is 100%, I was playing at like 60%.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, but uh, I don't know if, but that might affect you in certain venues. But I think in Switzerland you've generally got to keep quieter. But you might be okay because you're not as loud as us.
0: Yeah, I guess you didn't even <laughs> need to shower after that gig.
1: I, I didn't sweat hard hardly as much as I normally did, but I did shower. I did. I'm a, I'm a nice uh, clean boy, oh, nice clean boy. hygienic boy. But yeah, hey. I, I, my 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 top wasn't as sweaty as normally. Normally, a I was
0: going to say, are you a sweater? Yeah course yeah it's
1: horrible isn't it well yeah it's it is, horrible it it's
0: great at the same time
1: it's great it's great it's gross but i think if you come off stage as a drummer and you're not sweaty yeah on, on general in general you're not you know you're doing something wrong or, or there's too much air conditioning
2: yeah
0: exactly rare, we've, got a, we've got a db limiter on it as well
1: yeah right <laughs> yeah but um yeah that should be cool so well, there's a few shows what's yeah
0: well know? It's, yeah sorry it's not shows essentially so it's in a studio right. uh, but it's almost kind of like a, a studio venue ah uh, so it, it's uh only a, a small intimate uh kind of setup uh i'm not sure exactly what the capacity is uh but limited numbers uh but the show is recorded uh, and then it's presser vinyl ah. so uh so those who are at the gig have a record to take away that's amazing yeah so that should be good fun we've never done anything like that before
1: i've never heard of anything like that before
2: to be
0: honest. yeah it's yeah so we've got three three shows in that studio of course i think it's only a long weekend really but um yeah it should be a fun experience like you said we've yeah. not done something like that before so um yeah we're looking forward to that and being in switzerland uh lovely place
1: yeah it's very expensive but uh yeah yeah I well, it's, ex- it's expensive if you're not swiss i think yeah it's true i think if you're swiss and you've got a job in switzerland you're, you're, you're okay yeah i ain't swiss no. <laughs> <But like, laughs> well I what I paid what did I pay the other day? Um we got given a twenty franc buyout for to go out and buy dinner. And I was like, oh that normal normally that's more than enough. But I did spend more than twenty francs on one kind of burger thing and a milkshake in a while while we're in the while we're talking about it, a vegan place in in zurich because i know you i was just going to well. say that's
0: that's why it costs so much because it's vegan
1: no, i th- i don't think so i think <laughs> it was just generally really expensive but um yeah it was um it was yeah. awesome actually a place called unmeat yeah so if you if you're there okay unmeat and it's a okay, vegan place really cool but you're, i'll you're, google it you're going to be paying about 15 francs for a, a main unfortunately but i think it's the same anyway you probably pay that or close yeah, to that for a, Mac, a McDonald's, you know, you probably play 10 for a McDonald's or 12 for a McDonald's, but, uh, but, um
0: but yeah, that, yeah, uh, so, yeah, so that's in December. Uh, and then obviously, we would actually get the end of the year and have a little bit of time off because things yes. have been a little bit kind of frantic over the last 12 months or so. And then looking ahead to next year, we've got a couple of games lined up for the start of the year. So we're playing uh, Winter's End Festival.
1: Oh, yeah, you did that this year because we played. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah, yeah. As for you, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. cool. They've asked you back. That's really that's that's obviously um well. They obviously enjoyed you guys. And as, you as you, you end up not really uh, classic rock.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's and again, we were a little apprehensive so we about playing there because uh, you know it's classic rock and we're not essentially that, you know, because mm. you know it's probably more blues kind of soul guitar based rock, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah we, we loved it yeah yeah we had a great time, and we seemed to go out well and, and we yeah, made some did. friends there so um we
1: did but i think I think in that kind of lineup it's perfect because it it, it kind of breaks it up a little bit from more yeah more maybe kind of more classic rock bands and the end of the day, most classic rock is based around blues anyway, so I think yeah everyone appreciates it, and all the guitarists in those bands obviously it, it, generally influenced by kind of the blues guitar so it works really well i think
0: yeah cool so um yes yeah, so we're looking forward to that and i think that's down in wales this year so that'll be fun
1: oh awesome um
0: and then uh around about springtime so we're currently working on uh our next tour headline tour so it's going to be uh, a little longer than what we've just done uh, and it's going to be more european tour uh european dates
1: nice nice
0: so that's what we're kind of working on uh in the background at the moment uh so trying what, to get that all kind of lined up for next year
1: watch the space and check is it the cardinal black is that where you are on most of the social medias the, the cardinal black i think i noticed
0: yeah it's cardinal black uh some I was already taken so we had to stick stick other uh-huh. on uh, on the beginning to actually bag one for ourselves so um, yeah instagram handle uh the cardinal black Yeah, um, I think it's the same for Twitter, uh, Cardinal Black on Facebook, uh, and then, uh, yeah, cardinalblack.com,
1: yeah, and then the
0: website, so
1: yeah, so keep an eye on that for the future dates because I reckon it's going to be one of those tours that sells out quickly. So if you want to get a ticket, you want to get on the ball. I think a lot of bands are somehow announcing gigs and this to selling out immediately, so that's good to be if you're in one of those bands, but it's hard if you're a fan
0: yeah yeah definitely man it's yeah it's hard isn't it? and yeah i'm um, talking about like gigs are just sold out trying to get blink 182 tickets and yeah uh, did you have yeah, yeah. a chance with that
1: what are your thoughts on that out of interest because I'm, I'm a bit of a fan the kind of tom DeLonge being back in the band yeah and
0: it's it's really cool for kind of nostalgic purposes i guess yeah. more than anything i'm god as a, i guess i'm going to sound like i'm really old now uh but like nostalgia is like a big thing for me now more than it ever has been and i guess that's I a mean, natural naturally that, that comes uh comes the older you get but yeah. um obviously they haven't done anything for a while and for that they just come out with the blue and especially with tom long the long back in the band i was a massive blink fan when i was when i was younger you know i was in college in uni and yeah. the young drummer yeah i was always a travis barker fan um yeah so when it came about i was like yeah go get tickets that's going to be so much fun you know you just kind of feel that nostalgic warmth you know of kind of you know my youth and all that um but yeah i can get tickets
1: yeah i know and i think they're, they're like selling on the reselling sites for like triple the price and all that from what i've heard I, I haven't actually looked into it myself because i'm i'm not one of these people that kind of i have done it but it's not something i enjoy it's kind of waiting in line to buy a ticket yeah the- for a year away that I probably will end up playing a festival and I can't go to myself anyway, because that's, that's how it's gone lately. I buy yeah. tickets for things and then a gig comes up and i got to take the gig and then i got to try and sell the ticket, which is harder than it's quite hard to sell them these days because they on purpose make it harder for kind of um, secondary sellers and all that and touts. So if if you, if you generally can't make a gig for a reason, <laughs> it is difficult.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of screwed it for everyone else, isn't it? Those genuine cases of needing to resell, because like we said, you can't, literally can't make a gig. Yeah. Um, the fact that everyone's just trying to do it to make a butter too yeah. often, that means that, yeah, you can't really see wood for the trees in terms of genuine cases. But um, yeah, it's not much fun, it'd like you said, being sat in a queue of 10 hours or not trying to get tickets. I was the same for the Taylor um, tribute concert in Wembley. Ah, uh,
1: right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So um, did you, didn't, you have didn't have any luck
1: to go? No, no did shame. you go? No, I didn't know. I didn't. Um, there was something else. Something else happened on that same day. Oh yeah, I, I went to the WWE show in Cardiff. Ah, uh, that's right. I remember, it that was the awesome. same day. It was the same day. So I had a, a lot of fun at that. But yeah, I'm sure I would have loved to have been at the Taylor Hawkins show. Like yeah, equally, probably more. So, but yeah, the fact that you know tickets weren't easy to get. So um, yeah, I mean, what a yeah. concert that was, by the way. Yeah, well, I, I haven't even watched it all. I watched a, bit, a few bits of it, and um, absolutely, yeah, it must have been amazing to be there.
0: Yeah, it's so so kind of obviously poignant, you know, in terms of uh, it being a, a tribute for for Taylor and words that were spoken about him. But yeah, in terms of, of the gig itself, yeah, I you, you'd be hard pushed to find a better concert ever. You know, you know, the Live 8 and, and all those kind of gigs, but it's just incredible, just. Otherworldly kind of lineup of of players there and musicians, yeah. um, a lot of yeah my kind of influences as well. But
2: yeah, but same. talking
0: on that, like I said, I couldn't get tickets. I queued, could, yeah, couldn't get tickets. But then, like I said, we t- the Struts, who knew, who toured with the Foos and, and knew them, um, and Luke actually, Luke Spiller, the singer of the Struts, sang at the concert. Did he? Yeah, because I think when they talked together, I think he got particularly close with Taylor. Oh, wow. Uh, And they did uh, certain other things in terms of other uh, kind of projects and shows and whatnot outside of their own bands. Um, So he actually sung with Queen.
1: Wow, I didn't know that. At the
0: concert. Yeah, with Brian May and Roger Taylor. Yes. But anyway, because of that... um, when we were on tour with the strats, like, I speak again, you know, I was like, oh, I couldn't get tickets for the, for the uh, tri- uh, Taylor tribute because they were obviously going. I said, you know, if you're able to get your hands on any tickets, let us know. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I will to see what I can do. And then right at the last minute, text saying, yeah, I've got two tickets, but I couldn't what? make it. <sighs> yeah. So Maybe. Sam, Sam, the bassist in the band ended up going and um, yeah, he, uh, he experienced was probably the best gig that I ever
1: would have gone to. The best gig that you never experienced, yeah. Yeah, and this right, was, so. was on TV, I guess, for, for people, but uh, yeah, like I said, because yeah, it's Man only um, if I was home, I would have watched it, but like I was out that night and um, it was like streamed live, wasn't it? And then it's only bits of yeah. it online now, I think, from what I can see. Yeah, I think
0: it was, I think it was left online, so I think it was it was streamed by uh, by MTV. I think it was online for 48 hours in terms of it, its entirety, and then it was taken down. So, I'd imagine they probably going to release a DVD in terms yeah, of the both yeah, the, the London and the LA shows.
1: But yeah, hopefully what's, because... Um, what's a DVD? What is a DVD? <laughs> I'm joking. I, I haven't bought a yeah. DVD in a long time. Literally years, I haven't bought a DVD. I don't think so. Same you know. with CDs though, right? In the, uh, especially,
0: you know, since releasing the album now, you know, we've got the hard copy CDs. Yeah. And I say, you know, I'll take one home to play. And I haven't got anything to play it on
1: not in my house I yeah. I could technically probably play it on like a games console but I don't actually have a CD player yeah. in the house I've got one in my car which is fairly rare these days but um, yeah I don't
0: yeah what has happened to the world you know it's in a shame. the blink of an eye yeah, yeah. CD players have just disappeared and things have changed so much which you know it's, and I guess there's nothing wrong with that you know it's just the ever changing world of kind of music or you know the world in general but um yeah. I did used to enjoy having your know, racks and racks and shelving units full of CDs. I guess it was the same with vinyl, right? Yeah. Uh, just just something about it just looked great, didn't it?
1: Yeah, it looks cool. And yeah, it's just that was the only option at the time. But like, yeah, I think yeah. vinyl vinyl out so sold CDs last year. It was coming back around. But I'm not I'm not saying I'm particularly into vinyl. I've got a really crappy player and maybe fifteen vinyls. Most of them are motorhead vinyls, still in wrapper. Some of yeah. um, my own oh, wow. cool. band, my own band. I don't really play them, but they're nice to have.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the, the thing. I, I frame them more than I play them,
1: you probably see from. Oh, nice police, nice. Yeah. yeah. What a drummer.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. And I, I guess not really mentioned Stuart Copeland. I mean, he's probably up there, like I said, Taylor, especially going through my teenage years, getting you know, really into my rock music, but one of the biggest influences I've ever had as a drummer was Stuart Copeland. I mean um, I remember the first time I, I'd seen live footage of him again, my father showed me because my father was always uh, a big police fan and I couldn't, I couldn't wrap, uh, wrap my head around how he played, just just that power and just effortless sheer attack yeah, power and volume and especially the, the style of music that really he plays as well and traditional grip because I'm yeah. always tried to play traditional grip because it looks so much cooler, right?
1: It looks cool, yeah. I can't do Expe- it.
0: Especially if you play in the way the Stuart plays, Stuart yeah. Uh But yeah, I remember he was, he was probably one of the first drummers that i seen, along with John Bonham, that my father showed me in terms of like live footage job, and like a live VHS video. So, God, we're we going pre-DVDs now, we're we going into VHS territory. Um, of John Bonham and Stuart Copeland, just being completely blown away by I don't even know what to say, you know. Especially John Bonham. it's he was he was something else and just a complete freaking nature, wasn't he? Yeah,
2: in yeah, terms of absolutely. The,
0: the volume that and my father saw him as well live uh, in Cardiff. Uh, oh wow! Back in yeah. the old top top rank, I think it he was in Cardiff. if Amazing. people of a certain age, probably know that. Said so the volume that he got with his kick drum was, was unlike anything he'd ever heard before. So, uh, but yeah, Stuart Copeland, yeah, that was that's definitely one of. Definitely one of my kind of big ones in terms of growing up. I managed to see the police when they uh, went on the reunion tour as well back ah. 2017. So that was uh, so that was an experience and bet, a bit of a bu- bucket list moment to see kind of stay with Copeland play live. Um, but yeah, in terms of vinyl, like you said, I'm probably more into framing it and make my house look pretty rather than yeah. <laughs> playing but,
1: them. I don't know if my well, I could probably I could put stuff in. up. This this is my room, the room I'm in now. For anyone watching, is kind of like my multi-purpose at the moment it's, it needs a bit of work but it's my podcasting uh gym game gym. i've got well i've got a cross trainer in the corner you can't see nice and a, and like a, a weight bench sit a bench thing that doesn't get much use <laughs> music room guitars so yeah it's a bit of creative everything. space yeah it's, it's my little space yeah so i can do whatever i like in you but um yeah, the rest yeah, of the, my, I kind of I don't get much much control of.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm the same actually. So I, I, this is my room, if you like, similar to yours, but without the guitars. Um, I never can never play guitars. but My hands are too small. I've got tiny fingers. <laughs> That's always been my excuse. <laughs> yeah, I, well,
1: I, I don't. You don't. If you're make you're a good drummer, you don't need to play guitar, and you've got one of the best guitarists in the world in your band. So uh,
0: yeah, I probably don't need to worry about doing that. <laughs> right but yeah, I've yeah. got, a, I've got a, a Roland TD uh td25 in the corner oh, so that's what i used to lovely to practice at home um which is always nice because as much as i prefer to set the acoustic kit up um yeah. probably not going to get away with that yeah it's difficult the misses and the neighbors
1: yeah now the electric drums yeah great Roland, great um td25 yeah that's that's it's pretty an old like, one now mind yeah yeah but it was like a high-end one wasn't it at the time i think
0: yeah i think it was decent Ish. going back probably yeah. about seven years ago or something like that. Yeah. So uh, it's nice. great it's great for what it is, just especially in the lockdown when we wasn't able to kind of get access to any kind of like a rehearsal rooms or whatever. It was served a purpose.
2: Yeah. You
0: know, in terms of being able to work on things, but yeah, it's, it's nothing like I mean you don't get to sit and rebound um with your sticks from the from those mesh heads as great as they are. Um but it's good for depending on you're working on. Um you know it's um it's great to have that set up. Yeah, it's
1: it's better than not owning one. Absolutely.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I agree. But uh, I think um, I think we're almost done here now. I think I just wanna do the quick fire round with you really quickly, if that's okay. all right. Just you yeah, cool. got I do it for everyone else, You have gotta do it. Um, what's your favorite food?
0: Uh, Japanese.
1: Oh. Favorite movie? Um, Napoleon Dynamite. Cool, very cool. Guitar or bass? Uh
0: bass. Yes.
1: Nylon or Wood tip? Wood. All day. John Bonham or Neil Peart?
0: Oh, it's tough one. I probably say Bonham.
1: But fair enough. Beatles or Rolling Stones? Stones? Oh, you're one of them. You're one of those. <laughs> one of them. <laughs> Big or small venue? Small. Cool. Favorite time signature?
0: Uh I'm going
1: to really boring now. 6-8. Ah, uh, oh, I like 6-8. I, I don't get to do it much in my band, so when I do, it's fun. Um, <laughs> uh, favourite rhythm section? As in uh, drummer, drummer and bassist? Or
0: okay. Cool, that's a tough one. It's funny, Scorer. isn't it? so You think, oh, you know, favourite drummer, favourite bassist, but terms of put them together.
1: Yeah, like someone that's... It's two guys or girls that, that are in a, a band. Together,
0: um, or I'd probably say Pino Paladino, Steve Jordan.
1: You can't, really beat that. Trio. you can't really beat that, can you? Amazing. Um, name an underrated band that's not Cardinal Black. You're Ooh, not underrated, like but uh, I <laughs> mean, this is it. If um, you know, if you've got a mates band or some band that maybe people might not have heard of that you recommend, oh, put me on the spot now. That's the idea. Oh,
0: <laughs> I'm going to say um, the Vega Bodegas.
1: Oh, yeah. I've, yeah, I've heard of them.
0: Have you heard of those? Oh. So Nathan, the drummer, sorry to stop the quick fire round. Uh, he's best mates with Chris uh, and he's our tour uh, kind of legend and crew member and uh, drum tech kind of uh, fantastic guy, but he's the drummer of <laughs> the Vega Bodegas. Uh, and yeah.
1: I think my brother recorded them. I think they recorded at my brother's studio. Okay. I think I think so. But, um, yeah, they're really cool, actually. Very, well, go and listen to them. Um, yeah, check them out. Uh, Favourite album of all time?
0: Oh, um, man, that's hard. There's a lot of albums. Got, there's a hell of a lot of albums. <laughs> um... Maybe Graceland by Paul Simon.
1: Oh, classic, classic. Uh, favourite drummer of all time? Oh,
0: wow. Man, yeah, I've not really spoken too much about, like, main influences of drummers. Because, fuck, that's a hard one.
1: It's... You, can't, you can use this opportunity to do so, if you like.
0: Okay, and well, I'll probably you... say, like, my favourite drummer of all time. I can say Taylor Hawkins. Cool just in terms of, yeah, like that, that um, impact that he had on me when I was a young drummer, as much as I wasn't that young. It was at a point where uh, I was really getting into music and he was just a freaking badass with me. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: In, yeah. A, in every way. So yeah, I'll probably say Taylor.
1: Cool. So, well, is there any other notable mentions then you'd like to add on that you, you, you feel like you haven't mentioned that deserve a mention?
0: Yeah, I probably feel bad coming up with a kind of drum podcast and not really. Yeah. Sorry, and that's my own fault for going off in multiple directions oh. in terms of steering the, the conversation away from drums. But
2: um, no, cool. yeah, like I
0: said, when, when, I was, when I was growing up, my father uh, was in uh, kind of Motown soul bands. Uh, so, as much as, like I said, when I first started off, one of my main kind of passions and inspirations was, was Queen of Roger Taylor. Uh, as I got a little bit older, then I really kind of got into Motown and, and, and soul music. So, um, on so in terms of that in, in that genre, I was always a massive fan of Clyde Stubblefield.
1: Oh yeah, 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 of course. James I,
0: Brown's yeah, yeah drummer. Um, I mean, I mean, funky drummer. Christ, that's the most kind of used
2: yeah most
1: drum examples. groove
0: and pattern yeah, yeah. And, and pattern ever. Yeah. Uh So, I, yeah. At the time, I remember kind of listening to, kind of again, listening to James Brown and Boots Redding, Ruth Franklin, Wilson Pickett, all that kind of stuff, and not really knowing who the drummers were because obviously that was almost like a, a, a bit of a bygone era to me being in the '90s, you know, and the, the main thing kind of being Oasis and Nirvana and that kind of thing. So yeah. you always had these really understated, like super tasty drummers playing with the likes of. James Brown, like I said, um, Clyde Stubblefield and Al Jackson, Jr. Yeah. You know, the, let call him the human metronome. Um, <laughs> so I never really kind of, I never really kind of like got into those drummers at the time, but always loved it because, and that was something that my father always kind of instilled in me, especially that genre of music in terms of less is more. Um, yeah, of the, the, the podcast as well, drum for the song, right? Yeah. In terms of don't do anything that doesn't fit the song and yeah. don't overdo what you need to do. And, hopefully i don't overplay in terms of what i do or do anything that's in any way uh detracting from what we're trying to achieve in terms of the song but that was um, always it that's what always kind of got me and, and the kind of the break beats that especially clyde stubblefield wrote and played with james brown and god multiple other artists over the years uh, james gadson as well
1: oh yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah. always kind of got into those drummers a little bit later on in life in terms of like i said when you have got over the of Travis Barker era and Chad Smith. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I, I love those as well. I've not mentioned Amazing. Chad Smith. What a, what a guy. Yeah.
1: Um, I was listening to him today, actually.
0: Oh, oh, I saw your your story about yeah, your they, run.
1: They've got like another new album out. They released like a new album. Was it? Might have been earlier this year or late last year. They got another yeah, one. Out.
0: Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I saw your story about your run. Yeah, it was it was alright. It was okay. Yeah, I went for run this it. morning as well, and it's not working. Yeah, it was no. a token effort for me at least. Anyway, let's say that.
1: I was I was waiting for the rain to stop and then I found a little window and I went out. But like, I was yeah. fortunate enough to be in the position where I can do that having the oh, day off.
0: Yeah, yeah. I still work, so I went before work at like six AM I think it was, and I got wet. Yeah. Screw, that, um, screw that. Yeah. So well, like I said, when I, when I got over well, of kind of experienced and loved and kind of maybe progressed, or progressed that's the wrong word, isn't it? But um Looked to uh, broaden my horizons if you like in terms of other drummers i really kind of got into you know like style, uh, clyde stubblefield and and yeah uh, Al jackson jr and um and james Gadson. it's really cool that james gadsden he's kind of had a bit of resurgence of late as well playing with wolfpack
1: yeah yeah exactly i think that's really cool which is really cool yeah yeah, yeah.
0: so name um, yeah, uh, being mentioned a lot yeah the uh just those grooves are super tasteful and, and just bang on for the music that they are creating so um yeah th- that definitely and i think that's probably the old one that i've got as well and playing with karma black now in terms of the sound that we've got i think that probably comes out a little bit more in kind of the way that i play
1: absolutely yeah yeah. Um,
0: in terms of, sort of the, the grooves essentially and trying to work on that that pocket that kind of never that never reaching carrot that everyone is always going for you know trying to work <laughs> on pocket um that's definitely come from the influence. I think when I was younger, from from those guys, and uh, more, uh, recently as well, Nate Smith.
1: Oh yeah, oh, amazing drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him. He played at uh, Jazz Cafe
0: in Camden back in the summer.
1: Oh, lovely! I didn't know that. Yeah, with his band kinfolk
0: Folk. Um, so I went along to that, and yeah, that was that was uh, an experience to see him in the flesh in such a small kind of you know intimate venue. As well. I bumped into him as well actually that afternoon. I went for coffee. When I Got the camera because I've been driving all day and I just went in the first cafe that could find just so I can use the toilet, yeah. So I thought, right, I can't just walk in and use the toilet, I'll buy a drink. So I was in the queue to get a coffee and I turned around and it's bloody Nate Smith, so caffeine that no, was no. cool, yeah, yeah super yeah. nice guy as well. So yeah, and again, I guess it's along the same lines with me in terms of um the, the kind of feel. I guess he's more of a jazz drummer, but um, how versatile that guy is and what he does for multiple kind of artists and and fans that he works with whether it's kind of you know the fearless flyers in both peck or britney howard he uh, drummed on her, uh, right. on her uh solo record i didn't know that
1: ah i'll check all these yeah these are because a lot of these drummers you hear in the drum community and they're massively influential and yeah some of them are quite big on on the internet and post videos like that so i'm but i haven't listened to a lot of the music they've actually made so yeah kind of revise a lot of this stuff
0: yeah and it's yeah and, and those guys as well it's unbelievable you know in terms of the credits that they've got yeah and what they have played on what you you know never would have kind of imagined either but yeah. like steve jordan obviously is another one i mentioned earlier and i was lucky enough to see him obviously see john mayer back about 10 years ago and that um, yeah. was at the time when he was playing
1: yeah i was i was probably there yeah, like I've seen him. I've seen him with I've seen John May with Steve Jordan and with someone else that I've the name has escaped me. Another amazing drummer, but I can't think of the name.
0: Yeah, what a position he's been in. They just call cool on some of the best drummers ever. Yeah, yeah. mentioned Steve Jordan there, but Keith Carlock was his yeah. drummer for, for a good while. And I again, mean, God, he's probably it I might have it been Catholic. actually yeah. yeah it might have
1: been yeah it might have been i'm trying to i've seen him i think i've seen him three times twice in london once in cardiff Did he playing cardiff maybe yeah again going back that kind of era i forget i just forget which one was which really and who was playing at which yeah game, i think uh, when was a, i saw him uh,
0: 2010 maybe on the battle studies tour so yeah. yeah Steve jordan's with him i went with chris actually funny story chris buck um went this we saw him randomly in wolverhampton and we were With Chris being a massive John Mayer fan at the time, we were right down the front. Anyway, at the end, he threw a pick out and he was hurtling its way towards some young girl uh, down the front until Chris came in with a strong elbow and plucked it out of the (gasps) air. Thank you you very much. I'll take that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Chris. I wasn't going to mention that. It doesn't
1: sound like John Mayer. It doesn't sound unlike John Mayer throwing a pick to a young girl.
2: That
1: sounds about right, doesn't it? Just girl, I mean, not young. Yeah. but yeah, <laughs> Ladies, yeah man. I do
0: like, I, yeah, I do like John Mayer. He's, I mean, been, yeah, uh, one of my favorite guitarists.
1: I me mean too. Yeah, I mean, like that—that—that's the kind of thing. If I'm like, right, well, I want to put something chilled on, uh, I'll just stick a John Mayer album on because it's—it's just pleasing. And oh, it, definitely, it, 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 uh, sat, it satisfies everything. It does, and um, you know how he's
0: evolved and changed his sound to, you know, not to everyone's taste. Probably in that, I'm probably. I'd say a lot of John Mayer fans would probably think this way, but Continuum was probably the album uh, from John Mayer you know, with um, Waiting for the World to Change and yes. Belief.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Which obviously Steve Jordan drummed on as well. Um, from there, then I think everyone wanted more Continuum records from him, and he- but um, he was never going to stay that way. And, and obviously he tried different sounds and Born and Raised, uh, yeah. uh, Parallel. Valley obviously slightly different uh let's probably say a lot different to Continuum but um nonetheless I've always been a massive fan I've always enjoyed his music but yeah Continuum is, is definitely one of the probably one of my favorite records of all time yeah
1: really. yeah mine too to be honest yeah it's this just tune after tune on there but um yeah,
0: yeah and, and and you know say that Steve Jordan being on there and um uh, what he played for was what was required on that album is it was was beautiful really, you know. His, 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 yeah. yeah, I love his I love his grooves, and it's instantly recognizable, you know, if, if Steve Jordan is really opening up, then you can tell it's Steve Jordan, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's one, yeah, he is one one of those drummers that you just you know it's him. Or he does something like, Oh, it must be Steve Jordan. I guess there's a lot of people that might try and imitate him or, or copy him or Well I guess he's just influenced so many drummers that yeah that's just what happens but it's he's got this particular sound as well isn't it his kit i don't know what it is but he's got that kind of fat it's kind of snare tone and he uses like big hi-hats i think like that which yeah sound sound a bit different than kind of normal hi-hats but yeah i'm glad glad you glad you're into that i kind of figured you might be but we've never had this conversation so uh
0: yeah, yeah, that's it, and no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, oh, no sorry, I had looking at the timer, know I've probably gone way over what um, ah, we were you know, planning for, so... Uh,
1: it's not as long as the Bob Richards episode. <laughs> I
0: did listen to that, but
1: hey, he's got a lot to talk about. Yes, he does, in fairness, so um, yeah, if, if anyone missed that, go back, because he played for ACDC, and that's just worth listening to, that story is listening, worth listening to. Just for that Yeah, story, I, I, I remember, I remember seeing, I'm talking about Bob.
0: I remember one of the first times I saw him. He was in the Dolls House in Abadaliri. I don't know if you've ever I come across play, that little venue. I've played there many times. Yeah, you probably have. I was in a jam night. We used to have a jam night on like Tuesday night and I worked with my father and he knew of Bob um, yeah. because of man and uh, obviously son of man. Uh, I remember the first time I saw him and yeah, I wanted a drummer.
1: Yeah, yeah. incredible. He's, he's class, he's class, yeah. He's, um, he's got his vibe. Um, you could—he's just, yeah, he's just flawless, really, with what what he does. And he it's is, sung. and
0: yeah, he's uh, perfect. You know, in terms of for the music that he plays, again, and uh, I, I think listening back to that episode of the podcast and, and that he said one of his kind of overriding points really was playing for the song, right? In terms yeah. of where he records, he plays for what's required for the song, nothing more, nothing less. And I guess yeah. that's that's you know a, a massive takeaway for anyone, really
1: yeah so hopefully um you know i, I like I, I told you before, and when I came to see you in Newport, I'd said like I think you're the perfect drummer for your band, and I think it's because oh, you you, man. you do that, and i like I've always had a knife for that, and yeah like i I enjoy listening to the drummers and maybe play a little bit more than they need to, but sometimes you know it can be fun and it it can add to the music, but when it comes to just like a song band. Like yeah, I think you know, it it wouldn't work. Like if you it, like, for example, if you were playing Travis Barker beats over over yeah. Chris Buck's guitar solo or something like that, like it just wouldn't work with it. So, but I love Travis Barker's playing, and it kind of yeah works the, yeah that's it, it. It works. It works in what he does, and he was a big influence to me as a kid. But you know, he he fills again. He's playing in a three piece. Where the other instruments are not doing that much. So there it maybe there's a lot of room for that.
0: But Yeah, and that's the thing, in terms of playing with the three piece, and it was similar to when we were the the Tom Wallace Trio, uh, all those years ago. And when you're playing through with uh, as a three piece, there's a definite kind of want or need to fill the spaces, you know, because there's you know, you've only got three instruments there. Yeah. Um and especially talking about Blink one eighty two there, Travis, it's in terms of the music that there is as well, you know, you don't have that many guitar solos. Um, so there's probably do, more space for it. <laughs> no comment.
1: Yeah, no comment.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, but like you said, it, it, it depends what the music is, right? Then, Like yeah. I said, t- playing with Chris, and I th- find myself falling into the trap sometimes in that I'm playing with Chris, but I need to step up and try and be some sort of Chris Buck version of a drummer, you know, in terms of, playing yeah. you know otherworldly whether they're fills or solos or or whatever but that's i guess that's the complete opposite really and that and and i kind of learned that over the years and that the perfect thing that chris needs essentially is a platform to play on yeah to showcase his talent because the last thing he wants is any any of what he's doing being kind of muddied or kind of uh uh clouded by you know a drummer over playing and yeah I like to think that I've kind of learned that and I've kind of, kind of uh, heed my own advice really on that and just let him kind of shine and do his thing. Um, I guess that's a perfect compliment I can play to Chris in terms of how he sounds and what he does as a player is um, frankly just incredible. Uh, yeah. I love Chris and I love his play and the last thing I want to do is to stand on his toes kind of thing. So. Yeah.
1: Well, you do it really well, man, and like, keep keep going at it. Um, I can't wait to listen to the album in full. I know I've heard little bits of it, but like, yeah, it's just kind of. I'm still old school. I like like listening to the full album in order, yeah, in one sitting, preferably. It's difficult these days to do things in one sitting because it's like I know you drive drive twenty minutes there, you have a few songs on, and then twenty minutes back. Or do, do you know what I mean? Like, and like I said, I love yeah, a CD definitely, yeah. In the house. I got a few Bluetooth speakers knocking about. But still, I, I don't know. How long is the album, like, minutes-wise? Uh, oh, God, now you're asking. I should probably know the answer to this. Uh, I think it's about 50 minutes. Well, that, that's quite long, like, for yeah. a, a modern album. So, yeah. So I need to put an hour aside just to listen yeah. to it and, and embrace it. But yeah, yeah advise... but I'm with, you, I'm, with, I'm with you in that um,
0: yeah. I'm a little bit more old school in, you know, if I've got a good album, I'd like to listen to it start to finish. Yeah, rather than you know especially the advent of you know spotify and streaming and everything everything is you just get what's on a playlist if you like or uh, um not not in chronological order or not in, in the order of how it comes on the record um and i think that adds to it because songs are usually put in that order for a reason
1: yeah exactly well funn- funnily enough right um an example of that I went for a run yesterday and I put the new Ugly Kid Joe album on. I don't know if you're familiar with that band, but like
0: yeah, um, yeah,
1: good good rock band. And for some reason, my Spotify was set to shuffle. And, I, you know, the first track was the one I pressed play on and I was running. And then the second track was like a ballad. And I was like, this can't be right. This can't be track two. And I checked and it was because my, my Spotify was on shuffle. It, it started playing track five yeah. or something like that. And I I noticed that it was not right because I I was like this is a you know a rock album this shouldn't this shouldn't be a ballad as track two or whatever and, but it really threw yeah. me off and I actually checked because I was like this can't be right so like if there's a reason for that order the, the musicians and the songwriters and the you know the band the producer I don't know who chooses these things put them in an order for a reason and that was that was like literally me saying this this is not right this is wrong. But I knew. Yeah, because
0: that song was <laughs> never intended to be followed by a ballad.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And that's, so, and that's why, like you said, it was on the record in that order. And um, yeah, and don't get me wrong, I'm guilty about it at times, you know, because how busy life is, especially the older you get, you know, and families and, 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 and various other things going on. It's difficult to find, like you said, 50 minutes an hour to actually sit down and be able to listen to an album from start to finish yeah. and really kind of zone out listening yeah. to it rather oh, than passive listening because yeah. you know whether you're working or cooking or, or doing anything a lot of the time I'm listening to music it's passive because I'm not I'm focusing on doing other things same so it's yeah. really it's great to have the time and the space to just kind of sit down sometimes in a dark room as weird as that sounds even with headphones on and really appreciate and I'll yeah. from start to finish so um, yeah
1: but I think that, I think yours is one I definitely want to do that too and it's very rare um, that that happens but um, right to, fi- to finish off Okay, you have you have to do the dream band question. So, if you okay. so dream band, if you could create your own dream band with yourself on drums, okay, using members that are dead or alive, it can be dead or alive, but no members of Cardinal Black. Who would you have playing the other instruments?
0: Okay, let's think. On bass, I would probably have Pino Palladino.
1: Cool, great.
0: Freaking love Pino Palladino. He's I just has played with everyone,
1: yeah,
0: literally everyone. Uh, yeah, the guy's a bit of a, a bit of a freak on bass. Um, yeah, so P- Pino on bass, um, guitar, probably Derek Trucks.
1: Oh, yeah, amazing player, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, big fan of Derek. I, it's probably going to be a, a toss up between uh, him and John Mayer, but yeah. I'll probably uh, in in we have them both, Derek's. Put John on rhythm guitar. <laughs> <laughs> he gets enough of the limelight.
2: Yeah. Imagine yeah, Derek
0: Frack's on guitar. Um, vocal, ooh, now. Yeah, would you answer that? Probably Otis Redding.
1: Nice, okay.
0: Yeah, and in terms of uh, a like my favorite vocalist of all time, yeah, it's probably... Oh, this ready just that, could, that band could
1: the, work together quite well yeah, it
0: might actually i yeah, put some thought into this you didn't send me yeah. the questions or anything beforehand, did you of course i
1: didn't <laughs> um and then on piano because
0: i'm going to put keys and piano in okay um because it's that kind of band um um maybe billy joel ah maybe it won't fit with that style of music but again yeah, yeah. It, like talking talk about my influences from my dad yeah, he's a big Billy Joel fan and, um, yeah 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 I've seen see him like a couple of times and yeah he's something else nice. in terms of his, his band as well um, yeah
1: I've never seen him I've never seen him to be honest no yeah he's cool
0: so uh, and I'm I've been a vocalist in my yes yeah so I've been Pino on bass um, Derek Trucks on guitar Billy Joel on piano uh, Opus Redding on vocal john mayer on rhythm guitar
2: and john mayer on rhythm
1: guitar <laughs> I you like them
0: apples john <laughs> and
1: yeah yours truly up drums. yeah yeah that sounds that sounds awesome man um yeah that sounds like a band that could actually work in the real world kind of some of them are like some of them are just like crazy but i, I like it i think it's a good question and it's quite interesting to, it is a good question say. yeah it does i, was, I always look, look doesn't it? yeah i always look forward to hearing the answers but um no yeah adam um so people who want to follow you um adam robs drums on instagram
0: yeah obviously my name's adam roberts i did have adam roberts drums but i got hacked on instagram
1: yes much to my annoyance earlier this
0: year so that, that was, was pain in, a royal pain in the ass
1: and even the person who hacked you tried to message me uh, yeah to try and scam me into simming so be careful out there so Adam yeah, Robstroms. Yeah, so
0: it's so it's yeah. Adam Rob, so Robs, So R O B S. Adam Robstroms uh, on Instagram, um, and then I think that's maybe, uh, the only social media I've got really. Adam Roberts on Facebook, Twitter as well. But um, yeah. yeah, Instagram is usually the one that I that I use, and I have to try and build another kind of fellowship, as Tom likes to call it.
1: I know. i has like, been so- hacked. So good, man. It, it happened to my old band, Straight Lines, and we've literally just kind of given up based on the fact that we're never going to get our page back. We tried getting it back from Facebook. Um, yeah, we, we did for like 30 seconds or something like that, and then they managed to rehack. I don't know what happened, but basically, Facebook pretty much admitted, saying, no, Oh, we're powerless, we can't do anything to help you now. And we were like, That's more really or less
0: what I, I got, got from Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, yeah, but well, they of don't course, yeah, same. Facebook, same thing, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it's terrible that like the security like i don't understand how oh, the hackers can have more power than the actual platform it doesn't make sense um, yeah
0: surely there's something to just for the platform or the, like you said own and administer that platform to step in and shut yeah. that down or take away the rights or change the you know the uh, any of the details on it yeah you, would you think know, that it, they'd have that that within their uh their power yeah. but obviously not
1: it's very strange yeah so yeah i'd be yeah. i'd be absolutely gutted if it happened to my yeah. personal page or the podcast page or something because you know it's, it's years and years of building up followers that you try and use to promote yourself and to promote your music and you know like yeah promote the, the podcast and stuff and it's yeah so i don't i don't envy you i'm to start from scratch to be honest so, yeah so, that so, the, sorry that happened to you no that's
0: right man. i'll you know give it a go and yeah. build up again and, and but yeah that's get, it yes.
1: just get chris to follow our drummer <laughs> he's, he's only
0: like he's only done that once i thought we would have at least got one you know once a week from him or something just
1: uh you know give <laughs> an old buddy a hand
0: but um it's one difficult. day maybe
1: i know what you mean there's there's expectations with the kind of posts you post i think yeah i you know, know yeah it's difficult yeah it's difficult to kind of do that but anyway no not, yeah I don't, end, I don't want to end on a downer but yeah going forward right, downer he needs more followers now because he's lost most <laughs> most of them. Um, obviously, I'll, I'll 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 whore you out as much as I can. Um, when oh this man, please comes do so. out! <laughs> most happy um, to be whored. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, I knew I would, and I hope you have too. And I'm looking forward oh, to seeing you, see you, in, seeing you in the flesh at some point the next time. Um, we don't even live that far away, so we should go for a beer one day. Yeah, where um, do you live? Astrid Monach. Astrid Monach.
0: Oh okay, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm uh, yeah cross skis. So um, was it, you will definitely do that. Go for go for a beer or a coffee or something.
1: Twenty five minutes is it? Maybe.
0: Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, it's probably less than ten miles, is it? For anyone who doesn't know, and imagine imagine the majority of people are not familiar with uh, the geography of South Wales exactly, in any way. Man. But yeah, we'll do that. Right. We'll we'll definitely yeah make an effort. Uh, yeah, we'll catch up and we can get a little bit more on sticks and drum heads yeah, yeah. and. And all that kind of stuff, yeah. Oh, thanks
1: very much, man. I've I loved it, it's been great. Ah, oh, good. Well, um, it's a yeah. lot of fun. Thanks again for doing it, and uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget the drum for the song, like Adam does really well in Cardinal Black. Drum for the song podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Drum for the Song podcast. If you've enjoyed this, Please consider liking the video and subscribing if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you could leave me a review or comment that would be fantastic too as it helps other people discover this show. Please also consider sharing this with any family members or friends who might enjoy the content. You can also follow me on social media at dane underscore drums or at drum for the song or search for Drum for the Song on Facebook to follow the page and join the official Facebook group. If you'd like to support the podcast, you could purchase some merchandise from drumforthesong.com or consider supporting me via Patreon from just £3 per month for additional exclusive content like bonus episodes, video calls with myself, competitions, discounts and much more. Any additional support is always greatly appreciated but I would like to give extra special thanks to my top tier GrooveMaster patrons whose names are listed in the description below. My name is Dane Campbell and thanks so much for watching or listening this far. If you're a drummer don't forget to drum for the song!